0: everyone welcome to beer cake i'm your host jj ko and today we have john jonathan Bosconis. i don't know i have a hard time calling you john because <laughs> i've always known you as jonathan but um uh, he's a very good friend of mine actually how long ago was it was it 2009 so it was yep. over 10 years now so we've known each other for like twelve years almost, right? Or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um he was actually I don't know, should I say? Yeah, you were you were my intern. (laughs) Well, not just mine. Uh you know, Beth and I we both supervised you. But um yeah. So you started out as an intern and uh for that fateful summer and then we became friends and we stayed friends uh, all this time. Yeah. So you're no, you're no longer half my age anymore. Um, I think you've gone, what is, how old are you now? 30 something? Uh,
1: 32 in a couple weeks.
0: 32. So you're only, uh, wait, so 32, so 32 divided by 52 is what? What percentage is that? It's like, uh, it's like three two something. Yeah. No, it's three fifths. <laughs> So, no longer one half, it's three fifths, so you've gone past that uh, half mark, um, but anyway, yeah, so, wow, you got some, what's with the beard? Uh, you know, actually, let me say, I was wondering, before we got on, I was wondering if we were going to be all, or all bearded or not, because, you know, because of COVID, people were not cutting their hair, they're not you know, they're growing things.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. It's, so it, it's interesting. So my last day in the office was on, on March twelfth. It was a Thursday. And I went in for one meeting. And then I had another meeting in the Bronx. I, I work in Midtown. And I, I, I canceled my, my meeting in the Bronx for the afternoon. And I said, Hey, listen, COVID's getting a little hairy, especially in the Bronx, I'm I'm just going to go uh-huh. home. And that was the last day. I went to the office. And I remember sort of, leaving all my tchotchkes on my desk and like around my computer and I said well I'll come back next week I'll be back in two weeks and it's been almost a year later and um, yeah it, it was literally two maybe a week and a half after that um when I realized like this is for the long haul so like I shaved all my hair off well my, my, my top of my head and like I was like in this okay just survive get through the next however many months of COVID and then like you know, it became a a sustainable sort of mindset for me.
0: Yeah. Did you did you think that it was going to last this long? I I didn't actually when before the lockdown happened, I was consulting at a nonprofit organization and, you know, they were uh, they brought me into their office to kind of like suss out like what we all thought was going to happen because, you know, we were starting to hear about this um, infectious disease that You know that's come across um and um and how what my take was on it and at the time i didn't think it was that serious and i kind of like oh you know because i was thinking like oh it's like sars i mean sars was you know back what was it 2012 or something when it happened yeah um you know it was serious back then but not to the point where we had to lock everyone down So I kind of thought it was going to be like that. It was serious enough for us to all take precaution, but not Mm -hmm. to the point where we had to shut everything down. And soon enough, uh, weeks later, (laughs) everything got shut down. And I was like, boy, was I wrong?
1: (laughs) It's funny. So like, I think I had the same sentiment as you. Like, I think middle of February, around the same time last year, I'm like, we started hearing about it. And then once they shut like like Chinese cities down, like 15 million people, mm. I said, Whoa, wait, wait a second. Like, that's not that's not normal. That's 15 million people. That's more than all the population of New York City. Right. Like, yeah. And 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 so for me at that point, I, I started perking my ears and realizing how serious it was. And then once like the UK and the, the European countries shut down, I was like, oh, man, we're going to be in this for a while because if we're the last people to, to shut down, we'll be one of the last to open up as well, theoretically. As the wave sort of passes, I like guess people get a, a handle of what's going on, and so, you know, did I think it was going to be here? I don't think so. I thought we would be fine by by the fall, but no. We'll, so yeah. we'll see. maybe this year.
0: Um. Yeah, I think with the vaccine, if enough you know, people get vaccinated, I think it. You know, maybe um, herd immunity will uh, take over and and whatnot. But um, but I mean, they already have a. Um, a different strain
1: right
0: yeah so we don't know what that means um yeah we don't know
1: I think for me like the biggest um coming to peace term with COVID was that it's gonna be here until it's not and that's okay and like everything has a life cycle right including this um and so it's just running its course and like my be me by myself I'm not gonna change life or my fate or reality so like why, why am I going to keep fighting it it'll be it's going to be over when it's over and I have to do the best with what I have with oh, that, yeah. you know where I am
0: I mean I'm not I'm not necessarily fighting it I guess I'm just speculating mm-hmm. you know because we're talking yeah.
1: <laughs> no no it's but I, I've been I've been in so many meetings where it's just like okay we have to plan like what are we planning for reopening for the fall when do uh. we need to start schedule and it's just like you can't you you really can't and and so like it's it is what it is, and like we'll, we'll just do what we have to do, and and we plan as if it's gonna be here when we're gonna do our thing, and that's okay.
0: Well, but I do understand you're talking about at your company, right? I mean, at the at organizational levels, you do have to talk about contingencies and you know and the what if plans, you know, like if this, you know, have some plan in place. I mean had we had did if we had a plan when the pandemic hit it wouldn't maybe have been so bad i don't know actually maybe it would have been just as bad who knows yeah we really don't know
1: i've been leaning i've been super leaning into like life probably just gives everybody like the minimal dose like the minimum effective dose to learn like the lesson like and i've been really leaning into that because like there are some things that affect you know affect other people that for me it's no big deal but for them it's life altering and life shattering in some situations and then vice versa right and and so at that point it's just like you know we, we could have a plan but the plan for your company or your or your situation may not have been sufficient and then what happens then and so it's it's at that point it's like we have to plan like it's here and and you know, figure out within the new paradigm what's happening.
0: Well, that's true right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think it, you're, you're right. I think it may be with us indefinitely. Or it may become something like the flu, where every season mm-hmm. it comes up with a different, you know, strain of, of the virus uh, or something. Although um, I think the flu and cold are also types of coronaviruses, right? yeah yeah i think yeah yeah um so yeah it may become something that's maybe not life-threatening but just annoying um although flu you know people who are vulnerable like the elderly um and you know people with preconditions they they can die of the flu as well but um yeah but it's, it's yeah anyway uh all right I think that's a very healthy attitude I think I'm not sure a a little bit Um, see I think on a personal level I think on an Mm -hmm. individual and personal level I think you can definitely take that attitude that you know kind of uh go with uh you know the flow of life as it you know gives you their you know roll with the punches Mm -hmm. I guess is the saying right um Mm -hmm. But I still think that at uh, organizational levels, where you're not dealing with just individuals, the so organization is not just a collection of individuals, right? Because mm-hmm. all of you put together actually does create an entity of its own. Um, and, and, you know, depending on what's going on, you do have to kind of plan, at least have some sort of an idea of which direction you're going to go. Should this happen or should that happen?
1: Yeah, and, and I don't think I don't disagree with like being thoughtful or, or being candid about what the reality is for, for each particular situation, whether it's organizational, whether it's personal. Um, but I, I do think that there is like this at least American attitude where we have to we have to figure it out. We have to fight this thing, and we have to oh. keep business continuity going, and we need to plan for that. And like i've been in, in in too many meetings where it's just like stop like if, if your if your organization provides a widget for this community and, and you're going to still provide that widget for this community now is the widget useful during coronavirus i don't know like that's a plan that you guys need to need to ascertain and like maybe you deliver the widget in a different way but like if your widget is no longer useful because you're in coronavirus no amount of planning is going to make the widget useful again as an organization, whether that's an idea, whether that's a a production, whether it's like just people. So
0: yes, that's true. But let's say the widget can be useful if you made certain adjustments. Like a lot of businesses had to pivot, right? So, you know, uh, one very obvious example is restaurants. I mean, since the lockdown, we couldn't go to restaurants anymore. But, you know, some of them uh, pivoted fast enough um, to make um, pickup and delivery service, um, you know, make it worthwhile for them to stay in business. Some, you know, didn't. Um, and, you know, a lot of them shut down. Uh, Same thing with, like, um, brick-and-mortar retail businesses, a lot of them. Like, if they uh, were in position or if they were able to shift quickly to online, um, you know, delivery of services or goods. I mean, not services. Services is, yeah, well, depending on the types of services. But anyway, um, you know, if they were able to pivot... Uh, quickly enough, then they had a chance of surviving, right? So is, is
1: that a function of planning,
0: though? Um. Oh, that's an interesting question. Okay, let's see.
1: Because, I'm not sure. I is, think there's right?
0: there's some aspects. Um. You mean planning before COVID hit, before the lockdown happened, or after? Because
1: yeah, I think at any point, like if if you're I, a business and you had to pivot, like yeah, you're not you're not making new cuisine, right? That you're not planning to to do a, something different. It's just like you're scram you're scrambling to like deliver the same service within a new paradigm. But there's very little planning around that, right?
0: Maybe maybe we're not agreeing on the term planning. Hmm. Could be maybe maybe we're using different definitions um,
1: and like, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah,
0: I mean, OK, so what do you mean by planning when you're using that word?
1: Well, I, th- I think there's a level of like forethought where you can ascertain like multiple directions and then you assign sort of like what's the probability of situation A, B or C occurring and then you plan to go with the situation that's likeliest to occur Right. And so that's like a forethought, you're 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 uh, proactively looking out for for alternative sort of situations and then ascertaining which one's more feasible.
0: Okay, so it's a bit of forecasting involved there as well, right? So you're kind of you're kind of uh, based on the information you have, uh, you're trying to figure out which direction the wind is going to blow. And so you plan plan for that contingency. Um, now, in your scenario, are you ignoring all other contingencies, or you're just sort of making the best educated guess as to which direction you know you should be going, and you're planning for that. Put, putting all your your eggs in that basket.
1: Well, because the future like is uncertain, right? Like I think everybody arbitrarily picks something, and then they they hang on to the god of whatever gives them this the certainty whether it's the numbers whether it's their gut whether it's consensus right but like it's, it's an it's an arbitrary mood point right so like planning like i i just finished a five-year strategic plan with one of my one of my organizations that i'm involved in and i'm just i'm curious to sort of see like is it is it stale like we worked a year to get this strategic plan
0: yeah no no finish the thought
1: no and 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 it's just like we we worked a year on this and like it was based on this the circumstances that were when we initiated now it's like i don't even think that's that's reasonable but it's something that as an organization makes sense to strategize around and so so now we have the conversations of here's the strategic plan plus right like plus if this happens we're going to be able to do this if this doesn't happen we have to do the other thing and it's just at that point it just begs the question like why why do you engage in strategic planning
0: um yeah that's a good question i mean you know at the time uh, so i left my corporate job now four years ago almost four years ago and at the time what
1: (laughs) you got out of the rat race
0: uh yeah well yeah it's a whole other story uh i don't know if i'm yeah, I don't know if I'm better off for it, but uh, but I don't miss it. Uh, let's just say that. Um, so at the time, I was kind of sick, really, really, really sick and tired of one reorganization after another, one uh, sort of sort of this uh, reorganization plan or or improvement plan, they call it different things. And it it came a different sort of wave came almost every year for Mm -hmm. maybe four or five years. And I'm thinking. That. um, That it it takes time, right, for you to uh, plan something, communicate it out to your entire organization, implement it, and, and then it takes time for it to take root. And then maybe two or three years down the road, you'll see some results or something like that. But to, you know, shift and, um, you know, and reorganize every single year, it was kind of ridiculous. Um, and um, and I felt, and, but worse than that, I felt like, um that it was basically the same thing with a different name attached mm. to it, you know. <laughs> so, now I bring why did I bring this up? Oh yes, your strategic plan. <laughs> I I think I think uh, as an organization, I think, uh, I think st- strategic plans are useful. Um, whether you're in a small business or large business or nonprofit organization, or even on an individual basis, I think have having some sort of strategy uh, can be useful. Um, but uh Yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's like... Um, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. No, uh, I was gonna
1: say, so go ahead, sorry. No,
0: no, 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 yeah, no, I'll, you go ahead.
1: I, I was gonna say in defense of, of chucking strategic planning, um, it's that for me, I think the more I get, the older I get, um, the execution and I think this is something that you you really hammered into me all those years ago when I was interning with you. Is that planning is great, but execution is where you make your money. And so we could have the best strategic plan, but if we execute like shit, oh
2: yeah, it doesn't help
1: anything. So if we're t- so in my mind, if I'm too busy planning and not focusing on the execution, because again, strategic planning takes a takes a lot of energy, psychic and otherwise, right? That if everyone is exhausted at the execution phase. Or everyone's hands off because they've been the core team, the C team has been so involved in in the strategy that the execution is an afterthought. Like that's where I think we're missing the mark. And and like to to make it more relevant, like for me, I may have a plan or an idea of what I want to do, but if again if I don't execute at, at a high enough level for my standards, then I let myself down. I let my wife or my kid down. And so that so for me, like more more of life is and the more I talk to people, it's less about sort of connecting the dots, looking forward and more about making sure that you're executing dot to dot, making sure that you're creating the next dot, that when you look back and, you know, have that 2020 hindsight, you'll connect the dots looking backwards. But if you're executing and you're really doing the best that you can with what you have, um, then, it, then it gets great. And then obviously like the, the Elon Musk's or like the geniuses, the MacArthur fellows of our world, those are the folks who can plan and execute at the same time at a high level, But I don't think I'm I'm there yet. I, I'm just working on the execution.
0: Yeah, I don't think Elon Musk is entirely human. <laughs> and I and I say that in a very respectful way.
1: Oh, for sure. <laughs>
0: um but um okay, I think um I I certainly agree planning for planning's sake is is nothing. It's just total BS. Right. You know, that's something that companies sometimes do or organizations sometimes do because they feel like, you know, it looks good. It looks like you're Mm -hmm. doing something. Ooh, here's this five year plan. Look at this charts and everything. Right. You know, nice little handbook. But guess what? After it's all done. Oh, yeah. And I've experienced this, too. After it's all done, no one even looks at it. Right. No one refers back to it. Because why? It's not. Either it's not executable, it's too complicated, or um, it actually doesn't make sense, or it's actually not useful at all, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It could be any number of those reasons. Um, or or maybe it was a good plan, but you have no clue as to how to go about executing it, which is very often, you know, it happens, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're right, execution is definitely where it's at. Um, you know, without that, you could have the best planet in the world <laughs> it doesn't yeah, mean anything
1: a hundred percent and and I think of like you know some of these great philosophers right like Aristotle and, and some of these other people who kept saying like your intentions your intentions if you have the right intentions and you're doing the right thing and it's just like no that there came some other folks and said it doesn't matter what your intentions are if you kill somebody right like you may have the best of intentions but if you push the lady into the street trying to save her and she got hit by the car like you you still didn't help her, right and so
2: mm.
1: so so for me like if if organizations companies and people started working on focusing on the execution, don't focus on the planning you know just be present in the moment execute right now moment to moment you'll be all right it, you because there's not there's no plan for the un, unforeseen circumstances that life gives you and only arbitrarily do we look back and say like, I got here because of X, Y and Z, but it's just it was arbitrary. It was by chance. And and if you were lucky enough to have seen it, then you just maybe just got lucky. And that's okay too.
0: That's very. um, I don't know, Uh, I I would almost I almost I would almost want to say it's existential, but, you know, maybe not quite, but um, yeah. Uh, I Me mean, but there there's a lot of truth in that um, that um, living in, like living in the present is much more important sometimes uh, than constantly looking into the future that may or may not happen or constantly looking back that already happened and there's nothing you can do about it. The right. only thing you can really affect, And have an impact on is the present right Um, and so yeah I think uh, I mean I agree Um, certainly on an individual level I don't know how much how much time I spend proportionately like in the present moment then you know thinking about like what I need to do next you know but
1: um and 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 honestly i think people and organizations do the same thing right because it makes you feel like you're proactively engaging your time in a in a useful way because there are some things that you can see coming on the pike right like you know that the sun is going to set at five thirty something today so you have to plan for night right like humanity has been has been having to do that forever um and i don't think there's there's anything wrong with sort of saying like Okay, well, I know this is sort of a certainty. There's these different things I'm going to be doing, but I don't think that takes away from saying, you know, when night comes, I'm going to grow wings and I'm going to go flying, right? So, like, if you're a company and you can see a a change in the industry happening, you you are a a bipodal, two-legged, two-armed thing. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to grow wings because you know that the night is coming so as an organization like what what exactly are you planning for right like are you looking for a pivot or are you looking to sort of you know do something else and i think this is where organizations and people sort of stretch themselves too thin right it's this idea that i, I will be I, I can see the opportunity and i'm going to capitalize it irregardless or regardless of um you know what skill sets or, or what talent that we have that's going to get us there and so even though you can see it you have to you have to really just be present to where you are now. Like right now, it's still the afternoon. I, I still have a long time before the sun sets. What am I doing with that? It, when it gets here, I'm still going to be myself. It just my circumstances have changed. So am I going to change with them or or am I going to try to meet that moment? And so for me, like the whole planning, just it just it, it, I've been really focusing on just the execution. Like when night comes, you want to execute uh, and, and an execution just means like if, you, if this is something that, that you can see coming on the pike, then you already know what you're going to do. You have an idea of what you're going to do. You're not going to reinvent the wheel or reinvent yourself or your company because you see this thing coming on the pike. It's no, this is we're going to position ourselves. The storm is coming. We know we have an idea of what to do, and, and let's just do the best that we can. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and that's all right.
0: Well, here, well, uh, some people might argue that it's not all right. But anyway, uh, aside from that. I, I would argue that you even thinking along those lines, you have put some thought into it, which is kind of like planning. So planning doesn't always, I guess I, I'm looking at planning as a, a a broader thing where you're putting some thought into it. Maybe you don't have a step by step, you know, manual, you know, so to speak but um, you have some idea as to how you're going to execute something or how you're going to move in one direction or another, particularly if other people are involved. If it's just me... Oh, this is interesting. Oh, okay. We're going to have to pause. Because you dialed in twice, it's counting as a multiple uh, thing. So we're going to have to actually end this and then start it up again. So, yeah, so I'll send you a new link. Picking up from where we left off. So I I think I'm using a broader definition of planning because, Mm -hmm. um, I think so. I mean, in any situation, you're not going totally blind with totally no preconception, pre-notion, or having thought about it at all. Right. And having no context. Um, mm-hmm. Right. That's not what you're talking about. OK, so in that case, I think then we're both right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we're both agreeing on the same thing. Um, that, I guess the definition of planning that I was using is there is still some thought put into whatever it is that you're encountering and what you and your organization need to do. And you're right. Like, if you put in that thought beforehand, then whatever you're encountering, like, you do kind of know what you're doing, right? Yeah. Okay. I have to. Sorry. It's okay. Okay. Yes, go ahead.
1: You know, I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and, and I think you're right. Like, there, there is a level of planning that obviously, like, I'm not saying that people wake up like Dory or, or um, you know, from, from Finding Nemo and just like
2: right.
1: un, unsure of where the world is every day, right? Like, I, I think people have that, but I, I do know like there's like this fetish around like just planning and like making sure everything's buttoned up um, to the point where like people just don't execute at a level that would would indi- indicate that they had planned to that extent. Um, and And I honestly think that, when we plan for, when organizations plan it in certain ways, like they don't take it into account um, wh- where the deficiencies are because the plan is is sort of what you're focusing on. So for me, and it's taken me a couple of years to get here, is just have an idea, execute really well, and then take in new information and then make another decision and execute really well. But it's not sort of strategic planning five years out. It's, it's, it's necessarily sort of you, you need to make decisions quicker, right? And so, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah. So here's a metaphor. So, um, you know, well, I don't know if this is true in the actual competitive archery, but it's like you you aim and you shoot. Right. So that's what you think. You know, most people think that that's what you should do. You know, you aim first and then you shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, you shoot. And then see where it goes, and then you adjust your aim. And then the more you do that, the closer you'll get to the bullseye. Right? Mm -hmm. But if you spend all your time aiming, but never shooting, or you mess up the shooting. (laughs) Right. Then you'll never, ever uh, hit the bullseye. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I heard that metaphor in some business seminar or something.
1: And, and honestly, it's it's like for me, my job when I go to these strategic plans or like when I think strategically with, with somebody else or, or whatever, helping people plan, it's forget about the plan. Let's focus on make a decision. What's the next step and execute that really well.
2: Mm-hmm. And if
1: the next step is literally open your computer to like make sure that you can look for a job or you make sure you can write something, make sure you don't drop your computer. Because <laughs> I've seen that happen before. You drop your computer, now it's broken. Now you can't even work. And it's just like, it's, it's all these little things and then and then it, again you go into the sports metaphors right like it's all the little things that come together when you execute them correctly that happens and I, and i think there's something to be said about that about people's life in that way as well right like if you wake up worrying about the day then then you're gonna execute a really shitty morning and if you and if you just wake up and focus on the next thing in front of you you know it, it you have i think a healthier chance of executing at a higher level but i don't know like
0: Yes, but if you had put some thought into it the night before, right, and planned out some things, you know, maybe the major blocks, then uh, all you have to do is follow the plan and you won't have such a shitty day. (laughs) You know, I don't know why I'm I'm arguing the point because I'm not the best planner in the world, actually. Uh, Really? Um. I, I can't. I mean, I think I'm a pretty good, like, project manager, program manager, you know. Um, yeah, you say that, like, incredulously. Yeah. Wait, am I a planner? Is that how you
1: know? You, you, you are by definition a planner. Oh, I am. Yeah.
0: <laughs> by definition. What, defini- what dictionary is that? <laughs> you look up planning and there is my face.
1: No, I'm just saying, JJ Cole, as the, as defined by all of my experiences of you, like you are, you are a master tasker planner.
0: Uh, you know what? Maybe after I left my corporate life, I I've slacked <laughs> off a little bit, maybe, <laughs> because after that, I kind of like went with life as it you know as it came. Um, maybe that's why I I mm. have this sort of lingering feeling like like you know, hey, maybe uh, this could have turned out better or or something i don't know i'm still like trying to figure out what this is this part of my life is um
1: it's where you're at it's it's a it's honestly like there's no judgment value to it oh no i'm not yeah Yeah. i'm just well but when you say better like there's a judgment there hmm
0: okay yes but you know to be fair um it's it wasn't always about it's I'm not actually blaming the lack of planning or or mm. you know um I think I think one of the things I probably also didn't do is uh stay in the moment as well you know Probably. Yeah, I think I could have done that better. So, yeah. So your point is well taken.
1: Well, you know, I, I think the, the older I get, the more that I realize that we're all going through the same things, right? Like, my career is going to be in flux at some point. Mm. You, you, I'm going to walk in your shoes in on one day, right? Uh, at the same way that my daughter's going to walk in my shoes in one day. Like, we're all walking in each other's shoes, but we all think that our, our experiences are incredibly unique. Um, oh, and only, know. well... Some people say, why, why did this happen to me? Right. Oh, and it's no, just I, like
0: I never think that no.
1: <laughs> I, well, I don't. <laughs> you are ahead of it. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's a that's a very healthy sort of detachment from like the outcome of a situation does not define your value or your worth. It's for me, it's did you make a sound decision Were you when you were making the decision, were you thoughtful and that's being in the present moment as you're making a decision? And if that's the case, uh, yes. the outcome doesn't necessarily matter
0: like Um, yes, I think I think uh, philosophically I will agree with that. Um Now, in my case that wasn't always the case It was like, as I am taking action, as I am executing I realize, I am doing absolutely the wrong thing here
1: (laughs) Well, judgment values again, right? Like (laughs) I'm not sure if it was the right or wrong thing. It was just, it was the thing that you were doing. And and I have a good friend of mine who who says to me that every experience in life prepares you for the next thing, right? And so that ambiguity, that stress, that angst you felt is is softening you to the next challenge that's going to be even more anxious and even more filled with angst and even more sort of uncertain.
0: And Um, yeah, and I say the wrong thing. I mean, I... I say that jokingly it's it's not it wasn't toward it did not result in the in in the outcome that i had wanted or intended and that's okay that happens yeah oh yeah of course of course that's life
1: wow yeah but i don't think that's a function of your poor decision making or poor planning right like some things sometimes some things don't work out and as long Um, as your decision was sound then like then it was right.
0: Okay. No, but that's where that's what I'm arguing that my decision may not have been as sound
1: in retrospect or in the moment.
0: And <clears throat> definitely in retrospect uh, and in the moment I think I had sort of this inkling that, yeah this is not maybe not the best thing to do.
1: Well, the yeah. best thing to do is 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 whatever because like sometimes you just don't have good options. Right, so like if you if you have really terrible options, you're you're picking the least worst option, right? That's gonna be a win. Sometimes like you just have very bad decisions or very bad cards to play, right? And so like, you do your best and it was gonna always, you know, just happen this way. Like you just, this was the best possible outcome in, in the worst case scenario.
0: Yes, uh, that certainly does happen and and so so it's like this well i i'm still gonna argue in my case that was not the case that i actually made poor poor choices
1: (laughs) i'm trying to give you compassion
2: i'm trying to like find
0: (laughs) no no saving grace no no i and you know thank you for that but but here's the thing but that's part of life too that um we don't always make the best choices we sometimes do make crappy choices and sometimes we know it and we do it anyway um but anyway aside from that i think um i think this is how i used to think actually and and i still i still hold that belief on some level that um and that um i mean you say that i I, by definition i'm a planner i think i i think when it comes to like projects and things like that yes (laughs) not necessarily when it comes to life. Um, and um, so, uh, I, I was never someone who was able to have a five-year plan. You know, people talk about the, mm-hmm. you know having a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, or they know exactly what direction they're going. In five years, they're gonna be this, they're gonna have this in 10 years and, and so forth. I never had that. Um, I didn't even know what I was going to do the coming year. And I didn't even, sometimes I didn't even know what I was going to do next month. Um, And so, um, so having these like long-term plans, and I was never good at making those long-term plans. um, So one, so a, a strategy, if you will, that I developed for myself is, okay, what's immediately around me? What are my choices? What are my immediate choices? Um, And of the choices that I can see for myself, I'm going to pick the best choice and make that and then keep doing that, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, and and the intervals can be daily or it can be hourly or it can be weekly or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. and you're you are in your life. You are making choices moment by moment. You're actually making choices. and by doing so, um, I saw that, um, you know, a month from now, you know, a month later, uh, a year later, and so forth. And then you look back and you saw that by making the best choices that you could possibly make in that moment, that you actually made progress.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah. honestly, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, and, and like... In, I'm actually the...
0: I'm actually going to your side. Yeah, of I, don't
1: your dis- argument. I don't disagree with you. Of course, <laughs> I don't disagree with you. That's why I don't disagree with you. <laughs> and and like it it's interesting cuz like I I was never a believer that people can know who they want to be 5 years from now. Yeah. Right? Like like that that's such um like a romanticized American ideal, right? Or like
0: is in it... 5 years. Oh, is it an American I... thing or
1: I think, I don't know, like it, it, it's hard to say, but when I speak to some, some of my friends who I've, I've left in South America or overseas, and it's just like, it's it's just it's a different way of thinking about the world. Then like, there's a grandiosity to saying, I have enough control and and autonomy of the world that I'm living in, that I'm going to be able to plan five years in advance and have these these metrics and these goal, goal stones or, or goals to hit. And then I'm going to hit them, and if I don't hit them, uh, at least I'll be closer to this ideal. Um, and then, and if I and if I do hit them, I'll make it, and I'll find the next thing, and then the next thing. And and for me, like it, th- that idea really lost its its glimmer pretty early on in my professional career because it's just like, who the hell can look five years out, right? And and see and think who they want to be and and how they want to see themselves. And so for me, like that just never. That, that doesn't resonate. Uh, and so when someone tells me I have a five-year plan to to get married, have kids, be be this or be that, it's like it, it's like you might as well just fantasize, right? Like that sounds like a like an exercise in imagination. And like that's there's a great there's a great function to that and a great utility to that. But there's a level of sort of detachment and just being sort of jovial and just like laughing about it. Like I want to be a rich millionaire by the time I'm forty. Or like I don't want to do that like I want to be married and have four kids but it's like yeah why don't you become an astronaut in in five years too like wh- wh-
0: what if they don't want to or that's not what they want
1: <laughs> well w- what you want is like i, I think it's, it's very um it's very dangerous when people start making these these long thought- out plans for things that they want in the moment right like wants and needs are, are like ah, fleeting, right
0: interesting okay so this actually opens up a whole other kind of things. Uh, One is, so you make this long term plan, because that's what you think you want Mm -hmm. 1020 years from now, when in fact 1020 years from now, you look at the plan that you've actually followed and have accomplished everything that you set out. And you wonder, was this really the thing that was best for me? Always that's interesting wait well, you're saying always as in that always happens or
1: yes the, the only reason I, I i say this is because there's a level of disillusionment that people have whenever they reach milestones right whether it's birthdays careers or professionally and and the challenge with reaching these milestones is that you sort of figure out what's next right so like everything you've worked hard over five years ten years twenty years and let's say you were fortunate enough to accomplish it, right? What do you do then? Like, your purpose for the last five, ten years has been to execute at such a high level that's going to get you to this position and to this place. And then, what do you do from there? So now, once you, you're off.
0: yeah. So once you get there, it's not all it's cracked up to be.
1: If you get there,
0: if right, you get and there. It, and
1: if you don't get there, you feel like a failure, right? Like there's all these levels of like, I should have made better decisions. I could have done my best there. I didn't execute. I was busy planning. I wasn't in the moment. And it's just like, at some point, like how, how often do you have to do that?
0: Uh, a lot. We we do that a lot. <laughs> Maybe not you, but I think human beings, we do that a lot. Um, but you're right. Um, that's, that's kind of pointless. You know, that's not productive. Um you're right. And earlier, when I was going on and on about some of the stupid choices that I made, I was doing exactly that. Yeah,
1: I think so. But you're, you're not immune to it, right? But, like, we but here's does the thing.
0: It. I think the point is, um, yeah, you're right, we're not none of us are immune to that. Um, but I think the point is, what have you learned from it? And how are you going to move forward?
1: Right, right. And, and Obviously, like one of the things that we're we're overlooking is that decisions have consequences and outcomes. Yes. Right. And so there's this this concept of regret and being able to sort of look back and and hypothesize all the alternate universe scenarios of where one one imaginable decision that is so sort of uh, strong in, in your belief that's led you to where you're at, if you had done something different for that one decision, things would have been great or things would have been better. And it's just like
0: no or such things thing. would have
1: been different. There's no such thing.
0: Uh, different, yes. But any any one particular decision is not going to make or break what Correct. your life was going to turn out to be.
1: So, so for me, it's like the decision-making tree or whatever way that you decide, that is where life's crux is. Like, are you making decisions? Well,
0: I, I will actually retract what I just said uh in most cases any one particular decision is not going to make a break uh or or change your life dramatically uh accumulation of those decisions will but um but there are certain life choices that does send you in a complete different trajectory than others a certain there are certain pivotal moments in your life when had you made this decision as opposed to that decision your life could have been really different. Um, But do
1: you know which ones those are?
0: Um...
1: Or can you know which ones those are?
0: I think... Um... I think... maybe the most... Uh, important decisions give me one is okay who are you gonna marry
1: Be- because the act of marrying is significant for you
0: well because of what marriage is you're tying yourself to you're committing yourself to another person uh to walk hand in hand you know in life um now to divorce yourself it can get very messy especially if you have children it can get very messy so that does actually the consequences of the decision to marry someone uh has enormous consequences whether you stay in that marriage let's say you know if you stay in that marriage and you're happy that's great right that's the best outcome right sure but if you stay in that marriage and you're not happy that's terrible uh, but, and, but, you know, because you're not happy, you decide to divorce. That also has, um, harmful consequences too. So I think, yeah. I, well, I, yeah. Um, I'm going to say choosing your career is not as dire. Uh, because I think you can you can always make the choice to go in a different direction. It's not easy always, uh, especially the longer you have been in a particular career line, uh, career path, um, it's not always easy to shift. Um, but it can be done and it can be very rewarding. A lot of people yeah. do it.
1: Uh, I, I don't disagree with you. And, and I think to like... And it's interesting that you sort of brought career and marriage, right? So, like, for one, I think it depends on on where you're at in your life, right? If you're 18 or 22, career is more, like, yeah. tangible and, and, and satient than, like, marriage. Like, you're not thinking about marriage at 22 or 21, maybe, but maybe most likely not, right? And then the second thing that I think about when you have this question of, like, who do I marry? I think of a, a good friend of mine, uh, Sergeant Brown, and he's he's always said to me, Don't look at where you fell. Look at where you tripped, Mm because that's where you'll know you made you made a mistake. Right. And so when we say, like, who we're going to marry, like if you're at the point of deciding that X person is the one is my mate that I'm going to marry. Then you've already made your decision, the months or the weeks or the minutes that led up to this sort of like thought popping into your head like there are certain people that you've met that you've known automatically or within minutes or within months that this person's not going to be marriage material for you. Oh yeah. So like, so there's, so there's no question that this person's going to even come to that juxtaposition or to that juncture where it's like, I'm going to ask him to marry me. So the question then becomes like the person that you are thinking about it, you've already made up your mind. Like now, now it's just a function of like, if this marriage didn't work, it's not about where you, where you fell, where the, the divorce happens. It's did you, make did you oversee certain flaws that were a big deal for you that you didn't think about in the beginning because you really liked all these other traits and features right now you sort of have this idea of like oh i actually tripped six months into the relationship not a year later when we got married and then three years later when we sort of got divorced uh you know so so for me it's like i one consequential decision doesn't make doesn't make or break your life it's it's the culmination of all of them
0: yeah, I, I think maybe you're dissecting the decision-making process a little more than I am. Um, I'm kind of looking at that whole thing as sort of one decision. I think you're looking at... Um, so, you know, some people say, like, women know, like, the minute they meet someone, if they know that they're going to marry them. Um, that actually is true in a lot of cases. <laughs> I know immediately if I'm gonna marry this person or not. You know.
1: <laughs> well, they have to want to marry you too, right? So like, well, of course,
0: also that. right, right, right. So it it just because I want to marry them doesn't mean the marriage is actually gonna happen. Yeah, but but at least there's a decision on my part. Oh, this is somebody I could marry. You know, or I'd like to marry or right. whatever. Um but but would that, you? Sorry. Uh, go ahead. Uh. So so I think I think you're you're looking at it as um you're looking at each step of the process of coming to that conclusion as individual decisions or individual points of decision i'm looking at that whole thing as a single decision so that's yeah
1: Yeah. but i I think the the reason we sort of came into into this sort of like uh rabbit hole is, is because like i i really don't believe that there's one decision in your life that Fundamentally makes or breaks, and like you, you said, the marriage we decide to marry can sort of like make or like have in such an impactful uh, change in your life, or it can affect your life the most. And and for me, it's like I, I'm not sure. I, like I don't know. Maybe it is, and maybe it's not. But I, I'm just not sure that that one decision is the one that fundamentally alters your life one way or the other. Like I do think that people make bad decisions, and then they're set. They're stuck with or, like, decisions further, yeah. like, and that's where, like, this vicious cycle of, like, you have to hit rock bottom at some point because you just run out of bad decisions to make, that the one decision you're doing is, like, the best possible decision, and so that hopefully takes you out of the rock bottom, but it, it's, for me, it's, like, I don't think there's one one decision. I think it's how you think about it. Sorry. But
0: that, in that case, though, that is a pivotal moment. You Which hit one? rock. You hit rock bottom and the decision that you make to come out of that bottom right that is a pivotal decision that is a decision that changes the rest of your life but
1: but that's yeah go ahead
0: yeah i guess i'm looking at um i mean it certainly is is a process and you know decision making itself is a process right? right there are some decisions that you make in a split second and you you think of it you think you think it through and you also execute in a in a millisecond there are some decisions that you do that um but then there are other decisions where it takes you sometimes you know not just minutes but years for you to think through something and you finally execute on it and um, why
1: why do you think that's the case
0: uh i think it has to do with um the consequences of that decision like the bigger Mm. the bigger the consequence of that decision the more thought you want to put into it but then of course going back to your earlier point of having planning paralysis same thing in any kind of decision making you could be thinking about it you know year after year and never actually pull the trigger and you know and then that all oh, that that goes nowhere. It's just wasted energy, really.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. But um it, it, go ahead. No, no, go ahead.
1: No, like I i think you're you're touching on something really interesting that so like we we've gone from like planning to like let's figure out like okay, well maybe it's not just planning, but maybe it's the decision making, and then maybe it's the execution. And now you're talking about the consequences, right? And and I, I think organizations and people go through this like they focus so much on the planning, they forget about the decision, or they don't focus on the execution, or they don't focus on the consequences, right? And and I think depending on where you are and what your focus is, you're gonna either to one of those like three or four different things, right? Planning, decision, execution, or um, outcomes, right? Or, or consequences. And I think something you said earlier was, was really on the mark where like, you know if you're gonna marry somebody right away, right? And and or whether they're marriage material, I apologize. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whether I want I want to marry them or not, not that it's actually going to happen. We don't know. No, Totally. Yeah,
1: totally. But if that is such a consequential decision for you and you feel that you intrinsically can can answer that or decide within a millisecond or within a minute, right, pretty quickly, I would contest that every other decision that's not as consequential as marriage for you. Would be even easier to make right you you intrinsically should know based on who you are today whether one decision that you know what do you eat where do you want to go what do you want to do where do you want to work what do you want to work for like it's not as consequential as who you want to marry because you've said this and you know right away whether you can you're going to marry somebody so then these other decisions should be like
2: cake but oh, people yeah.
1: spend time and waste time on these other inconsequential decisions when it's just like
0: Yeah, that that's an excellent point. Um, Yeah. Well, you know, uh, those uh, the people who know me know that I'm not married. I've never married. And so therefore, all my gut feelings about the person that I wanted to marry was wrong. (laughs) No. No, um, I was, I was wrong, no, but, yeah. but I, no. Um, I mean, I I, I jest, but um, mm-hmm, but no, mm-hmm. I see your point. Um, so here's here's where it's interesting, right? So there are certain types of decisions where the decision is not based on facts necessarily. It's not based on. There's a certain sort of intuitiveness that you employ with certain decisions especially when it comes to people you Mm -hmm. meet people all the time right Mm -hmm. some you like some you don't like and sometimes you know immediately you like them sometimes you immediately know you don't like them for whatever reason sometimes you Mm -hmm. can't even put a finger on it it's just a feeling that you get or Mm -hmm. you know you feel like you can trust them or not trust them or, or whatever And then uh, but then there are also people that you meet where your first impression was completely wrong. And the more you got to know them, the more you like them and vice versa. Right. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. So I think um, so here's where um, making decisions about people is probably more consequential than anything else in life, I think. uh, yeah,
1: I, I yeah. don't, I don't I th- disagree. Yeah, I think Go so. On.
0: So but but here here is where we don't necessarily use logical tools all the time. Or maybe not at all. Most of the time mm-hmm. uh, we just intuit these things. And, um, you know, and um, so where does that come from? And and the thing is, like this gut feeling that we get. We actually like you would not use purely your gut feeling to make decisions about policy or about, you know, um, your financial planning or whatever. You would look at numbers and data and charts and all kinds of things, you know, before you actually make a decision, even like what school to go to or what job to get and all that. But when it comes to people, we actually rely a lot more on our intuition then we'd like to admit, you know, (laughs) (laughs) maybe that is the right thing. Maybe that's not, I don't know.
1: So, so something that I heard a couple of weeks ago that me and my wife have been spending a lot of time thinking is that um, everything about you is just looking for self-preservation. Like if we think about it, the job of your body is to make sure to keep you alive. Right, like your brain is there to keep your body alive so it can keep feeding itself, having nutrients. So it's so everything that you do, every thought, every, or, every sort of organ, every cell, every sort of molecule of oxygen, every atom in your body is only there for self-preservation, including your personality, right? And so, so just come, come along with me for, with this thought, right? So like if, if all of biology is, is about preserving the body, and, and self preservation, then your intuition is just your, your gut microbiome, like firing these chemical signals saying, that person is going to help you survive more than somebody else. This person could be dangerous to you. We're not sure how, we're not sure yet, but the cells in your stomach that are creating the chemical reactions that's going to your brain saying, I don't really like them. That's my intuition. What I'm going to, what I'm sort of trying to argue is that that's just self-preservation. So you could be wrong. Don't get me wrong, and that could be a function of maybe you didn't eat well, maybe you were hungover, maybe you were drunk, maybe you were cranky. So you have these other molecular things going on, but like at the end of the day, like every decision you make is for self-preservation, right? And to and to keep this body moving and keep this body sort of ingesting nutrients and 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 keeping you alive. So 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 for me like this idea of like people being these consequential th- beings in our lives is just like Maybe it's not. Maybe we make this all more than it has to be. Maybe it's all about self-preservation. And we get along really well because by being community and we both dive to the same sort of similar tunes and similar songs, like being together will help us survive longer than being apart.
0: That certainly bring it down to a very sort of base level. (laughs) yes uh, on the on the base of it that's uh, i would say that's absolutely true right that that self-preservation is the intrinsic motivation for us making one choice after another that this is this is what we think is going to help me survive and succeed and be happy and so forth yeah
1: and so, but, but those are the things that you're conscious about. So when you talked about financial planning, strategic thinking, that's just you being actively aware of trying to make a decision that's gonna help preserve you five or 10 years on the line, your organization yep. as well. But when you brought in people, I think it's a very interesting thing because that's like a gut. Like you like personalities versus other personalities and, and people sort of uh, whatever, auras or vibes, whatever you wanna call it, right? They're, who they are, if they're being their authentic self. And so if you're not going to be able to, to ha- use them to help you survive, like it makes absolute sense why you would sort of not be along with them. But if you are, if you are a radical right heart, I'm sorry, uh, right-leaning uh, neo-Nazi, like, and this is who your body is trying to keep alive. Obviously it's going to try to find other people like that. And it's not going to find a left-leaning, you know, liberal because they're just going to be in contradistinction and and fighting all the time. Um, How's that thought?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, you're getting into you're getting into sort of um, tribalism, really, um, is finding people who are like you uh, so that you're not standing alone um, because if everyone's, if you're honest, then there isn't a single person on this earth who would believe that they could survive on their own. Right. So, um, yeah. So I think, I think it's definitely a natural instinct for us to find people that we could uh, agree with and work with and, um, you know, live with, play with, and, you know, do all kinds of things with. All right. Um, so, Yeah. Uh, The whole tribalism thing, especially in this political climate where, you know, we're so polarized and everybody is sort of reverting to this tribal thinking. I don't know if we ever came out of this tribal thinking, really. Uh, But it's something that I personally don't like. Um, I would even go as far as to say detest. Um, I know that is human behavior i know it is intrinsic in us uh mm-hmm. to think that way and to want those things you know my tribe the people who like me they don't necessarily have to think like me but as long as they like me and support me right so i think that's that's kind of like mm-hmm. um yeah what we all consciously or subconsciously uh seek um I think though, let me clarify, I think the aspect of of this sort of tribalism that I don't like is uh, sort of groupthink or like-minded, you know, sort of, um, so I don't, me personally, I don't necessarily seek people who think like me or who agree with me, as long as, they respect my opinion, too. You know, we could disagree on everything, right? Um, but, you know, as long as you don't hate me or want, uh, you know, or or are hostile to me because I think differently or I look differently or I behave differently, then, you know, that's that's where... You know, you'll have conflicts. But um, yeah, but I, me personally, I I don't know that I necessarily seek people out who agree with me all the time. In fact, I actually like it when uh, we don't always agree, because then, you you know, that sparks a nice, you know, debate and dialogue like we do all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of like what I also. Kind of hope for uh, in this podcast, uh, you know, as I talk to different people, um, that I don't necessarily want, you know, guests who uh, who always think like me to be on. You know, I like I want people from all different walks of life, all different uh, viewpoints, you know, to be on my podcast, so I could actually talk to them, get to know them. You know. Yeah yeah and have this nice dialogue because I think that's that's also kind of what's missing a little bit in our society today is people are not really talking, talking, they're not talking through things, and they're they're shouting at each other. <laughs> there might maybe they go as far as debating, but um, but talking to understand and um, yeah.
1: I don't I don't disagree with you and and honestly like I think I think to your point like at, even at a, at a nuclear level like the people that you're in in your network or like people you talk to the people you want to talk to at some, to some degree like share some values or some commonality with you right like I think it'd be incredibly difficult for you to talk to um like uh, an, a Swahili guy who only spoke Swahili just cuz you wouldn't be able to communicate
0: well, that's a right. language barrier, right? That's right. not necessarily a philosophical barrier.
1: No, but, but yeah. I think, w- to go back to the tribalism point, like, in that creates, like, the schisms. And a, a perfect example, at least for me, was that, like, while I speak Spanish fluently, when I go to, when I speak to folks who are native Spanish speakers, the nuance, right? My my comfort with the la- with the American or the English language is, is just it's not the same, and so my personality automatically changes, right? My yeah. personality is not permanent. it changes, right? And so, when I am my authentic self, even in that iteration, it may not jive with who they think they're speaking to because I just can't communicate in that way, and so I think the people that we have these really long lasting relationships or bonds with what we call our tribe right my my wife if i'm married or my husband if i'm married right it's these people who we have like this authentic connection to where we're like it's it's really just common right we're we're both in common talking in common and i think as you sort of spread out the the nucleus right of that relationship there's these other relationships right that sort of version now but it. the folks on the outskirts of your biggest circle of people that you know those are the people that you probably don't want to talk to right and like and like that and the the question then becomes like why don't you want to talk to them because they're so far removed from who you think you are that it doesn't like you will never find commonality and it's because their sort of circle is so far away from yours that it's like their universe is x and your universe is y and like it just it it just won't work And so like well, communication can happen You will never get to the authenticness of that person and and for me like that's that's okay too
0: i don't know if i agree with that um but i i see your point so a couple of things that's come up Mm -hmm. as you were talking is one is your authentic self right uh and i think you said your personality changes and i think um so i think who you are with your family is is one sort of aspect or one side of you and who you are with uh maybe you know down in south america is sort of a different sides of you come out and but it's still you right why um
1: so or which is the genuine you if there's multiple signs i
0: don't think i think they're both genuine you I think, think so yeah yeah um, I think you can um, you can accommodate to different situations uh, in order for you to find be able to communicate that's that's just you know stick to communication uh, in order for you to communicate with someone whether it's um, you know they're speaking a different language or different dialect or or just, you know different vernacular you're speaking you know we all you and i we both speak english but sometimes just as you know earlier we were defining the word planning differently right so mm-hmm. yeah so we weren't necessarily like but we we got there eventually but we had to sort of uh, go through that um so you know um yeah. So you adjust to a different situations. So if you're not necess- if you're not seeing eye to eye, or you're talking, you're communicating with someone, and you know you're not coming to an agreement, or even to an understanding of the differences, right? Um, I think your behavior will uh, change accordingly if what you want is to you know come to an understanding of some sort. Right. But somebody like your family or your close friends who you spend time with hours and hours, years and years. you you are speaking eventually you you sort of understand each other's language, right? Um, and we get the nuances, like, you know, you may not have said anything in particular, but you reacted or your face changed or, and if I spent enough time with you, I know exactly what that means, right? (laughs) Um, so, and so, like, I think people with whom we have a deeper connection with. Uh, Maybe we don't have to try as hard uh, to communicate or to convey like I could give you one word sentences or one word answers and you get it or whatever. But with some people, you know, who are not familiar with you, you may have to explain your answer. But they're both you.
1: And, And so then I would ask, like, do you think that you don't change?
0: I change all the time
1: so then what who's getting your authentic self
0: they're all authentic
1: but you're always changing
0: i mean i'm not changing from like um the changes are uh the changes are subtle right it's not like i am a extrovert Well, I can't be, I can't be extrovert and I can be introvert, but, you know, I think I, I think I'm mainly an introvert, uh, but with extrovert tendencies at times, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Uh, I mean, but okay. So I, I don't think your personality changes so dramatically that it's unrecognizable. You
1: think so?
0: I, I think, I think the changes are subtle. Right. So it's still you. It's just you accommodating a different situation.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because um, I, I hear what you're saying. And like, I thought the exact same thing as you for a number of years. And then it, it's only through this year of COVID that I've had a lot of time to think about it. And the more I think about it is that my idea of myself um, is constantly changing.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah,
1: And so if that idea is constantly changing, then the people that interact with me only see a fraction of what that old personality or current personality is. And so they form these ideas on in their mind about who I am based on either limited or intensive interactions to your point. But at any any second, I can choose to be somebody else and like there's 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 actually like a psychological disorder which is you know multiple personality disorder right um,
0: Where, or or borderline yeah borderline yeah. personality disorder also has. right
1: yeah right and and so if if for me if that's the case then my idea of myself again just being honest with who i am it doesn't exist it can be anything and and I can change it at any point because tomorrow I can wake up and I'll change my hair. So visually people see me differently. I'll express myself differently. I'll buy different clothes because I want to be seen differently and I'll express myself differently. Um, or I'll just start talking differently or I'll start thinking differently or I'll start. And, and so like, because of that, then people's experience of me, as, as long as it's congruent with what they're expecting, then everything is okay. Once it's incongruous, then there's an issue. And then it's just like, this is yeah. the person I married for five, you know, 15 years, who are they? They they're they're all different now all of a sudden. Or you know, JJ is not the planner. Are you kidding me? Like this is all I've known of you. Like, right? And 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 so so this idea of, of personality not being permanent is, is so in tune with me because the person who's planning five years to be X person is clearly hoping that they change so that in five years they're either married, have a different job, have a whole completely different life than what they have now because their personality is going to have to be different and i think it's only when we're, we're we're fighting to keep a sense of ourself and not be okay with this ambiguity around it uh where like all these like uh just like schisms begin to happen this cognitive dissonance happens
0: yeah i think i think you bring up a good point and and to this i would agree that um so i think you know when you brought up the word authentic um Maybe I kind of took it a certain way. Maybe it's a, sort of the common parlance of that word, right? And, um, and I actually, I, I don't particularly like uh, that uh, word in the way it's commonly used uh, because I feel like in just using that word in the way it's commonly used feels fake. So it is anti-authentic, I feel like uh we could we could parse into that if you want at some point but uh but anyway, um the well I parse into that I think that's wrong, I think you parse it out, right let's be mm-hmm. grammatical here, yeah, um, but anyway, I think um I think we're constantly continually and maybe indefinitely. Maybe till we die, um, trying to figure out who we are. Um,
1: but do you? I, but do you know why? Can you like? Can you have you tried to figure out why we're constantly trying to figure out who we are?
0: I mean, I think we we may have ideas of who we are in any particular given moment, right? And we'll say things like, you know, or we'll think things like, um, oh, I don't want to do that because that's not me, you know, or you know. Th- and, and we throw these, you know, these thoughts and sentiments out very casually. Um, it's a way of sort of deciding uh, that you're going to actually participate in something or, or not, right? Like, let's say, like, I'm not somebody, like, I will never go bungee jumping. I will go skydiving, but I will never go bungee jumping. Um, there's something about that particular series of motions that just uh, disturbs me and frightens me so I will never do that. So I could say something like oh, I don't want to go bungee jumping because it's, it's not me right So you know, in in common parlance I could I could say that and people will sort of generally understand what I mean right um, was, that's sort of a, a sort of a trite example but um, you know, but i think um you know to really know oneself i don't know what that requires that, that actually requires a lot i think if you think about it because you're looking at yourself you have to look at yourself in many through many different lenses um i don't know why i'm getting emotional <laughs>
1: A good thing we're, we're, we're hitting something real.
0: <laughs> hey this happened in one other podcast <laughs> i'm gonna be i'm gonna be known as the emotional host <laughs> um yeah yeah that's sort of a halfway thought uh but i'm gonna let you jump in there
1: <laughs> yeah no worries while i collect I, myself it's okay it, it, I think the authentic self is is a to your point like it, it's a misnomer right like the the authenticity of, of who i am yeah. is only available moment to moment um and and it's with it's only visible with whomever I'm experiencing my life with even if it's just myself right so like I can't yeah. know who my authentic self is by itself it's only in relation to something else much like your ego. Right. Like your ego doesn't know itself only in relation to something else, whether it's somebody else you're competing or your job or like something else. Right. And so like my authentic self, it doesn't exist like this. My idea of who I am just is is not here. And that's okay. Um, I think it's I think it's something that people just want to get their arms wrapped around because like it helps them sort of like figure out their values or like these like, big ideas of, of who they are. And then once they figure out oh, this is who I am, or these are the, the foundational values that I hold, then like they have this like sort of a certainty where they're like, well, the circumstances can change, but as long as I'm true to myself, uh, then I'll be okay. And and so for me, like this authentic this authentic self and, and who you are just it doesn't exist. And being comfortable with this idea that you can change who you are at this at a split in a split second um it's so liberating because you have never seen me get angry or to the point where I would kill somebody yeah right you've never seen me kill somebody but there is I'm sure (laughs) but I'm sure that if my daughter's life is in danger I will do whatever I can in that moment to make sure that she's not okay including uh, killing somebody. I, I've never been there. Hopefully, I'll never get there. But I know deep down that that is a possibility, and I am personally aware that that's going to be an outcome. Like I'm just, I'm just aware of it.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. So to say things like um, I could never kill, or I could never do this, or I, you know, I can't imagine, you know, ever doing this. Uh, I mean, that last statement may be true. Maybe you can't imagine it, but the possibility exists um you know given the right set of circumstances we could all be liars we could all be murderers and we could all be thieving you know psychopaths whatever thieving psychopath. that doesn't make sense but anyway
1: <laughs> under the right circumstances you'll go bungee jumping that's the point even if it's not you
0: Right, no, I, I just use that as an example. It's not yeah. something, it's not a choice I will willingly make if I'm forced to make it under, like, you know, under threat of death or something. Uh, maybe, maybe. But even then, I would rather shoot me, you shoot me, than me go bungee jumping. I am that, uh you know, uh against it. <laughs> For me. Other yeah, people do it, and that's totally.
1: fine. <laughs> but uh, my, my point is that, like, this, this idea that the authentic self is infallible and it's immovable and it's with you forever. Like, a, like this idea of a soul just doesn't resonate with me. I, I don't think your th- authentic self is ever found. I don't think it's ever going to be found.
0: I think you get glimpses of it throughout your life and maybe, I don't know. Uh, I think there are certain moments where um, it's kind of revealed. But, but then again, here's the thing. Uh, you know, like I was alluding to before, it's, you know, your, I think parts of you come out in different circumstances. I you know, I think, you know, um, like you were, like the example you were, uh, saying earlier, like, um, You would not ordinarily kill someone, but if your life, if your daughter's life was at jeopardy and the only way to prevent her from that harm is to kill someone, you would absolutely do it. Um, Now, in that moment, you know, a part of you came out, right? So it's not, but that's... That, that act or that part of you that came out in that situation does not necessarily define you. Right. But it is an aspect of you, right?
1: But is it authentic?
0: Sure. I would say so.
1: So then, so then if every part of you is authentic, then no part of you is authentic.
0: Uh, no, that's not necessarily true. I think... Um, I think... I think you're not authentic if you're lying to yourself. How do you know? That's a good question. You don't always know. Yeah.
1: And I would, I would, I would say that when you knowingly lie to yourself, you are touching your authenticity and rejecting it. Right.
0: Yes. Um, when you're knowingly lie to yourself or to someone else, uh, then you are consciously rejecting the authenticity of that of yourself of that person and of that relationship yeah um, because
1: in the moment you're lying yeah. about a such a situation or a circumstance right whether it's a white lie or a big lie, right like but I, that's why i'm that, that's why i'm a firm believer that your authentic self just doesn't exist like there's a liberating aspect that you can be whoever you want to be at any point and The people... People just need to accept that. Like, there are some people that do crazy shit that has no explanation. And, like, that's them being (laughs) authentically themselves. And that's okay. Like,
0: Um... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think on a practical level, that's true. Um...
1: So why take anything personally? I don't take it personally.
0: Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. I actually try not to. Um... I think... This is what I used to do. And then as I got older, I could care less about it. Like, I care less about what other people think and what other people say. But when I was younger, I actually took to heart people who didn't like me or who would say things about me that were negative and would take to heart... Not not because my feelings were hurt, but trying to understand why they were saying that. Is it something that I did or is it something that I said, you know, or they just don't like, you know, short girls or, you know, whatever. Uh, they had a bad experience with somebody who looked like me before. I have no idea. You know, but there's something. It'll, it, you know, everything comes from somewhere, right? It It's very few things are completely um, have no context. Um, so, yeah, so I would like actually try to understand um, and maybe do things differently. Like if I cared about that person or cared about the relationship,, um, I mean, not necessarily in a, in a very emotional way. like for example, like your coworkers. You care that you keep a non-hostile environment, right? With somebody that you work with because you see them every day, right? You don't want to have to get into a fight every time you see them. Uh, So therefore, you want to maintain a certain level of civility. So therefore, if somebody is saying something or acting negatively toward me, then I would want to try to figure out where that's coming from and maybe I could do something to make things better, you know? Uh, So on that level. Right. Uh, But then here's the thing, you know, that that's that's not always uh, I mean, I have gotten hurt, my feelings hurt because of what people said it did. Uh, So I'm not impervious to that. But um, but you're right. Yeah, there's there's really no reason or point to take things personally, especially to the point where, you know, you are um, you're wallowing in it, you know. Yeah. Well,
1: for me, like it, it goes back to this like idea that somebody's personality again is not permanent. There, there's no authenticity. There's no authenticity to their reality. Like everybody thinks they're the heroes of their own stories, and so
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Why why do we why do I care or and like why why does it bother me what people say about me or how they feel or interact with me? It's like that's it's not about me. It's about them. So like I would ask you like when was it in your life, or if you can remember, where you stopped caring what people think or, or thought about you.
0: Well definitely in my fifties, but I'm still in my early fifties, so it hasn't been that long. Um I don't know, that's a good question. I think it was a gradual thing. I don't think it was any one particular like incident or point in time that happened. I think it must have happened in my forties because my thirties, I was still trying to, you know, care about. So uh, when I say I cared about what people said and, and thought, not to the point where I'm trying to get them right. to like me, like, you know, they like right. me or they don't, whatever. Uh, but it's, it's really trying to figure out where people were coming from and trying to understand that point of view. Um, Yeah, I think uh, I think I was always like that to some extent, even when I was little, that um, I didn't necessarily care if people liked me, um, but I did want to understand where they were coming from. Um, And, you know, if they didn't like me, I didn't try to make them like me or I was never I wasn't I wasn't really a people pleaser. Uh, I was always a bit of an oddball. (laughs) (laughs)
1: me too that's how we get along
0: i know so when you're an oddball and you accept your your weirdness uh, and your oddity uh then you also accept that um you're not everyone's cup of tea so therefore why try just be yourself and you know somebody will like you you know um but um but yeah but i think i i I don't know. I don't know when it was exactly. I think it was definitely gradual. And, you know, as time passed, I think I think maybe part of the motivation was that um, at some point... I think at some point I have experienced enough of life and enough of different kinds of people that... Uh, That I kind of had a general understanding, enough of a general understanding that I didn't need to really spend, you know, as much time and energy to trying to figure people out. Um, And also, as I got older, my, you know, people in my surrounding got older, too. I, like, I, you know, deal less and less with people who are significantly younger than you. Uh, Present company not included. (laughs) Or... I don't know if I said that right. But anyway, um, and and then, you know, then what you're dealing with is simply, um, you know, getting stuff done. Right. So like I, I didn't really have the time or the patience to deal with people who are disagreeable. Right. Mm. If it's at the workplace, then you have and you have to work with them, then fine. Then it is really about getting the task done, not necessarily you liking me or vice versa. Right. It really is about the job. And that's it. It doesn't have to get personal. But if it's, you know, in sort of personal circles, like I think I became less patient with people who were like, well, okay, fine. Then I really don't need to understand you, you know it's like i don't have the time anymore because i think the older you get time becomes more precious um and you rather spend the time with people uh, that um, get along with you um, and because i've done enough of um you know thinking and analyzing in a Prior thirty years of my life, or whatever, how many years it was, that I, you know, I feel like I paid my dues, and now I just want to enjoy things.
1: <laughs> so tribalism is okay only once you've well, no, <laughs> you, you paid the dues, I,
0: right? I think that's the thing, right? I think I think your tribe, your family. Well, your tribe starts with your family. That's your m- most immediate sort of surrounding. Um, and then your your friends, your extended family and your friends and, you know, and as you get older and you go, you move through different phases of your life, you find different people, whether it's classmates or co-workers or, you know, what have you, um, you know, hobbyists or, you know, whatever. Um, so you find different people. And um, and at some point, I think that is. Uh, your tribe, for lack of a better word, is extremely important and necessary uh, and, and also beneficial uh, if it's a healthy tribe um, for your own development and your own sense of self and your own sense of security. And uh, yeah, and, but you know, once you get to a certain point and you do adopt you know, whatever it is that your tribe is thinking, what their values are, what their beliefs are, and your sort of accepted behaviors and and things like that. Um, But then, you know, you get to a certain point that you do become your own individual, right? And you get to a point where you start thinking for yourself, and you start sort of, um, you know, While you may still hold the same values, you may also question them and think more critically of them and test them to see if they are, you know, um, if they're in fact true, if they're in fact valid or beneficial or, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, uh, standard that you want to hold it to. Um, So you don't, you know, Your association might still be there, especially when it comes to your, you know, bloodline, your, like, your family and your relatives, Um, but, you know, you don't necessarily have to agree with everything, or you don't necessarily have to accept everything just because that's where you came from.
1: You know, it... I think it's interesting that you're saying that because I think through COVID and through the political, you know, the political sort of like silos that everybody's in, like yeah. especially now through COVID, more people are cutting off their families because they disagree with their views than before. Yeah, right? like,
0: I disagree with that. I know everyone. It, yeah. Every once in a while, I hear, I you know, I read posts like you know they'll make out a they'll post a statement and like if you disagree with this, then it's fine to unfriend me. I'm fine with that. Like I disagree with that way of thinking. I think you should continue to be exposed to different people with different ideas. I think only then do we actually keep growing. Cuz I think once you stop mm-hmm. um so this is where where society today is regressing back into their tribes, which is now redefined. <laughs> Right, they have redefined who what their tribe is or who mm-hmm. their tribe is, and but the behavior is they're regressing back to it, um, and you know, and going back into your mother's womb, you know, essentially, um, you know. But I think that's wrong. I think that it's the wrong direction.
1: Um, I don't. I don't know. If, like again, like I don't reserve judgment. Like I don't know if it's good <laughs> or bad or right or wrong. Like I think. I think it just is what it is. Um. For them right and, and I think more so what you're just re- describing is like where this idea of authenticity just doesn't exist right like if if, if people's polarization was affected in four years by one one person sort of characteristic uh, char- charisma and characteristics, then who you authentically thought you knew for 30 years or 20 years or five years right was, was is no longer there right? Like they are authentically somebody else. Um, and so when, when this idea of like, I'm going to tribalize my, my, poli- my political beliefs and only live in my echo chambers, um, I, w- I would say like that is people really trying to be authentic to themselves, right? So like if, if someone disagrees with you so much so that it creates such a cognitive dissonance in your mind to hear their perspective, then that's that's telling you if you're that person says unfriend me if you disagree with me, that's that should tell you that hey like you're touching upon something that's incredibly authentically you right now that you want to guard so so much so that you're willing to sever ties with people who were part of your community, and I think yeah that's that's where the interesting thing is as opposed to whether it's right or wrong it's just like what about this idea that you want to post or that you want to comment or. or tell the world right because you want the attention you want people to see that you're saying this what about that is so important to you that you're willing to to burn bridges over and why is that important to you and i think that's where the conversations don't happen right i think to your point people get stuck on like unfriending me as opposed to not talking about it
0: yeah um so let me clarify when i say it's wrong um i think by that what i mean is that that only feeds into Uh, perpetuates this polarization it's making the polarization worse and it's making it's creating thicker walls and um, it's making it harder for us to you know have a dialogue and have a meaningful conversation because immediately what you're doing is i don't want to talk to you and that's it it doesn't matter it you know there's no nuance there You know, well, I might disagree with you on this point that you posted about, but you and I may agree on something else. So where is that? So it's like just because I disagree with you on this one point that all of my other opinions are, you know, basically it's thrown out the window. You know, it's you know, it's reducing people to, you know, one particular belief or one particular, Mm -hmm. um, you know. Set a uh, one p- particular value, but I think we're we're vastly more complicated than that. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I, I I don't disagree. With I completely agree with you. And and I think just to, to further that that idea, it's just because of COVID, right? Everybody is is more remote. Everybody is not interacting face to face, right? And so everybody becomes their becomes their own sound bites of whatever <laughs> they put out to the world, and and. The, this question of authenticity ha- never really was in the mainstream as much as it is today because people have okay. this, this uh, you know, well, it's, I think I think we're hearing more of it again with woke culture, like woke culture and then this idea like, well, he didn't mean that tweet or that, that comment was taken out of context. And I think it's because people are sort of just reading what, what people are posting. And so had we gone back to sort of out, outside of just the internet, right? Like when you go to a bar and you talk to people as strangers, yeah, there could be one person that has a very like catatonic, really ugly perspective, but then that would incite conversation. And then like there would be dialogue that would happen back and forth. And so then that's where you would have, you know, you either fight them or you would have a good conversation with them, right? And so I, I, I just, because people can't have communication online, they become sort of tribalized more online, but you know, outside of just the network, people are people
0: yeah um i yeah social media is definitely amplifies um now how much of it is actually real i'm not sure um and i don't know if there are any sociologists or you know are actually studying this that um you know social the the reality on social media is hyper reality it is not actual reality it is so hyped up that um and you know you could easily get sucked into it too like you know and just kind of get sucked into the hype and sort of join the bandwagon i very intentionally step away from that and i actually intentionally don't participate um even though when I think it may be a good cause or a good message to propagate, because it's just so hyped. Um, Yeah, so. But anyway, that's that's my choice. And some people Mm -hmm. may uh, disagree or or even dislike, you know, that particular choice that I made but um but going back to a point earlier point that you made that um you know when i said this is the wrong direction that it's going to and you said well that's a value judgment and so it is just what it is if somebody decides to unfriend you because you hold a different belief then you know you don't take it personally you uh well that's coming from somewhere right and and you're absolutely right and i think i think that is um, I think that is a proper cat- uh, characterization uh, of that. I think,, oh, yes, I take your point like when I say things like it's wrong or, you know, whatever, that is making a value statement, and that also does not necessarily help, uh, you know, um, promote a dialogue.
1: Yeah, and and like, that's that's why I think like this conversation I've been really conscious about sort of not saying right wrong best worst like just because people people want to know that what they believe in what they say and what they do is the right thing to do right in their narrative um you know but what's normal for the spider is chaos for the fly right so so at at what point are we all going to agree so like if we can't agree on on what's right or wrong or normal or, or not normal then like let's just take it for what it is and and if i i don't want to be part of that because again i don't care or it doesn't it doesn't affect me then i'm gonna go in a different direction and that's okay as well like that's the consequence of somebody's decision by like, posting these things that people unfriend them right yeah i don't know
0: i mean that was just one example And it it was an example of, well, it could also be that uh, this particular incident I'm thinking of, and because I know the person to some extent, uh, that it could very well be that he was just really tired of explaining himself to people who don't agree with him. So therefore, he, you know, just said, hey, whatever. I'm tired of trying to explain myself. So if you don't agree, with that's fine. Unfriend me. I don't care. You know, it could be coming from that. Um, and be. yeah, that's very valid. But but I still I still would argue. Do you even need to say that? You know,
1: <laughs> it's, it's all about him saying it. That's the yeah. point. Yeah. He, he felt he needed to say it or she needed to say it. And if that's what they needed to say at the moment, then that's what they that's needed what to they say. That's
0: what they needed to say, yeah. But my point is saying those things doesn't help. Um,
1: only, if you, only if you unfriend them, right? If, if you look at them with grace and compassion, it's just like, yeah. this person's having a rough day. Like, you know this person better than I would if I would have read that. And like, I wouldn't care. But like, you, you have an, a, you have a reasoning for why you think they did that. And if that reason is good enough for you, then you're not going to unfriend them. You wouldn't understand. And you'd be compassionate. Oh, no.
0: Yeah. I, I actually don't unfriend people. Um, there there are plenty of people, uh, you know, that uh, I disagree with. And I intentionally do not unfriend them. or Because here's the thing. I actually want to hear what they think and, and why they think it, you know? Um, so
1: It's interesting because I think you give people more credit. Like, I think a lot of people know what they think. I don't think they know why they think it. And like, that's <laughs> that's very, very easily like why like I unfriend people. I'm like, listen, you're an idiot. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, let let, let me I don't want to deal with this anymore.
0: <laughs> well, wow, you're you're much more advanced in years than I am. <laughs> you, you've gone straight from your 20s to your curmudgeon days. <laughs> your wide-eyed bushy tail days to your curmudgeon days. <laughs> right. Uh, it totally. took me it took me 30 years to get there.
1: <laughs> but honestly, like people people have a lot of a lot of things to say, but it's just like why are you saying this? Like what experience is bringing you to say this or believe this or think this? And it's just like, well I read it or I don't know. I'm like, well you you like that's not a good reason.
0: Yeah. 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 Um Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people just kind of say things. Uh, I know this is this is a just a very silly example, but there was uh, one post. It wasn't somebody I knew, um, you know. Oh, actually, no, somebody I knew actually forwarded this uh, and reposted it, and that's how I found out. But this woman uh, was, um, you know, lettuce. You know, like romaine lettuce. She. Put it in some hot water microwaved it for a few seconds and then she was peeling off the epidermis of the lettuce and saying look this is what the government is doing is putting plastic on your lettuce leaves and i'm looking at them like what an idiot <laughs> and and i look at the comments on our post and there were so many of them i'm like oh my gosh didn't you take junior high school science class <laughs> and then of course in response to that other people made videos of here you know this is this is called an epidermis it's it's actually part of the lettuce you eat it (laughs) um why did i bring this up what was my point
1: people don't know why they think things or why they believe in things
0: oh right so yeah no people people like have this need um to i think say things you know i i get it um and i get this impulse that people have of wanting to get things off their chest, um, but again, I think it's an impulse, and I think this is where I think social media has sort of uh, lifted that veneer of decorum, social decorum that we all have to live with. You know, bumping up against each other physically. You know, like you wouldn't say, you wouldn't, you probably any any given person on social media who spews out stuff they probably would not say any of those things or at least half the things to someone, to their face, you right. know? Yeah. And yet, you know, we do it. Um, so this is where I think different circumstances lend themselves to different sorts of behavior. But, yeah. if, but I think this is where, so I, I guess, Um, On one hand, you uh, you adapt to different circumstances and different behaviors come out. On the other hand, I'm not somebody who would actually attack someone on social media because I would not do that. If they posted something I disagree with, I might ask them about it, you know, but I wouldn't call them an idiot. Unless I was willing to call them an idiot to their face.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, like this whole idea of like, are you your authentic self when you're online? Right. And like, I, I thought about this quite a bit. Right. Yeah. And, and it's for me, I haven't really landed on anything else because when you're behind the computer screen, you can be anybody you want. Right. Yeah.
0: Even more. so.
1: Exactly. You can be unhinged, uninhibited. You can have a pseudonym and you can have burner accounts and whatever. You can do whatever you want. And so I, I I've been thinking about this a lot and it's just like, that is the authenticity of this person. The person who wanted to get the attention for putting out this video, either wanted attention because they needed it, wanted to sort of give the world their opinion because that's what they authentically believe. And like, do we hold them accountable for the moment or do we hold them in, in compassion and saying like, this didn't really make sense. Like they were acting out. Uh, and the same way that you would see like a, an adult or a kid have a tantrum, it's just like, all right, they were having a tantrum, they worked it out. We let it go. And so for me like that, I honestly think that people's authenticity is is there because they can play with so many different beliefs and ideas. I could go on 4chan right now and see what, you know, neo-Nazis are talking about. And if that resonated with me, I would have discovered something about myself that I didn't know before, right? And like, I can just think of so many people doing the same thing, you know, playing the sim games or playing like World of Warcraft where they can be going to these worlds and be whomever they want. And it's just like, my whole point is that online gives you the freedom, but people don't realize that they can do this in real life as well. You can be whoever you want. And I, that's to bring us full circle to the idea of personality and authenticity.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think, um, you know, I think those are very valid points. Um, here's what's interesting is, I think the possibilities that the internet had opened up, uh, when it opened up, um, is that it could have been used, and it, I think largely it is used for good stuff. Um... But there's also a lot of abuses, and I, here's what I'm also wondering. I mean, you mentioned 4chan, and you know, by the way, uh, 4chan is not only neo Nazis. <laughs> no, there are other people there too. <laughs>
1: okay. I I, don't... I apologize for any 4chan followers. Who... <laughs> no, no, I
0: I I'm not on 4chan, and and I only know about it peripherally. I don't know. I don't. You know. <laughs> but um 4chan is like i i kind of see 4chan as like one step beyond reddit <laughs> but maybe hey maybe that's an unfair characterization right there um i you know i i just i barely i actually technically i had a reddit account for a while but i only got on it uh recently when the whole GameStop thing started happening and i just wanted to you know get on uh those subreddits uh, to see what people are actually saying. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, shoot. Oh yes. Uh, so the internet, um, and I think, you know, here's where, here's an environment, a virtual environment, but with real people, right? So it's not like true VR, right? Um, but here's a sort of a virtual reality with actual people behind them that you could interact with and it could have it could have been something a safe place for us to really experiment and explore in a positive way, in a productive way. And while that is happening, it's also uh, revealing a lot of ugliness that is tech you know, frankly, within all of us, you know. And I think, here's the, here's the thing. Why don't I harass someone online? Is it because it's not in me to do so, or is it because I'm consciously choosing not to do so, right?
1: Or because you haven't you haven't been bugged enough about something that's going to trigger you to respond like that? The same way, like my daughter's life hasn't been in danger where I'm going to kill somebody. It just hasn't happened.
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think a lot of things have bugged me. I just choose to ignore it, right? Well, and, and I think this is to the yeah.
1: point, this is like the, the, cor- the corollary that like, we're just not like decision making or, or robots, right? We just don't do shit without, without either filters or, or, or variables or like nuance, right? To your point of context. Um, but, but like I think the one thing that we forget about social media is that while we think it's, it's user-generated universes, it's actually controlled by yes. entities and corporations, right? And so because of that, like part of me wonders whether the algorithms of the things that I see on Twitter or Reddit or Facebook or Instagram are purposely sort of done so that I interact with the application more, and if I am the person who, is, who has an ego need to fight, I'm going to see more things that get me riled up in commenting and fighting, but if I see more things that are, you know, that I will interact with that are more pleasant to me that are not sort of aggressive, then I will see more of that. Um, and so then I, I really do wonder, like, why don't I see the comments of this one person who I used to see all the, all the time, and now I don't see it anymore.
0: No, I I actually hate the algorithm behind Facebook and all these other social media platforms. And what you say is absolutely true. Have you seen the documentary, The Social Dilemma Mm -hmm. on Netflix? Yeah, that's, you know, that explains it all. It is absolutely, this is not, this is absolutely curated uh, content specifically targeted to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so you're you're not gonna see people that you would argue with because you're that's not gonna keep you on their platform for more than that one fight, right? Or more than that one instance. And so, Facebook having maybe twelve years of my history, right, or fifteen years of my data, knows that I want to you know, see something.
0: That's interesting. Uh, I didn't actually think about it at that level. Why don't I see certain people's posts on my stream? There's only literally like handful of people that I see over and over and over again. And I always thought it was because I, you know, the more you like someone or interact with someone's post, the more their stuff will show up on your stream. I thought it was just Mm -hmm. that. But it goes beyond that. It goes to who they are and what they prefer. and The content that they kind of prefer does not mesh with mine. So therefore, I do not see theirs. Ah, That's interesting. So that means all these people, this is why, huh. <laughs> I'm going to, catering look at, to yeah. I'm gonna have to look at that list.
1: <laughs> and then actively seek out the people that you probably disagree with and see if you can change the algorithm. But you're going to revert back to your old behaviors, right? Like everybody does.
0: Yeah, I have. So. I, I actually have done that. Um, I mean, I don't do it as much anymore because I'm actually not on social media that much. But yeah. Um, but I have uh, in the, you know, before I have gone, sought out people intentionally, went to their uh, their account, see what they posted on their wall and then intentionally like a bunch of them so that, you know, maybe the algorithm will like shift. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe I just didn't do that enough to make a dent in the algorithm. I don't know.
1: Because it, it wasn't yeah. you. Like the algorithm has your authentic self in that moment, oh, and when shut you change, up. no. <laughs> oh, shut you, your
0: mouth! No, when no. you
1: change, your your algorithm will change with it.
0: No, 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 no! It thinks it knows who I am based on what they based on caricatures that they have created for all of humanity, right? I actually mm-hmm. don't agree with that. I think I think it's making certain assumptions. That certain things will either enrage me or please me or whatever. That's why it's sending, you know, these things, um, based on whatever data that I have put in there so far. Um, but I think, I think that is based on certain assumptions that it makes, uh, or however the algorithm the algorithm mm-hmm. is uh, constructed. Uh, so I don't necessarily agree that um, I think it, it it probably does an excellent job of predicting what I might like, you know, what I might probably. react to. Yeah, um, but I don't think it really knows me. No. Well, yeah. Or maybe this I, is just I, my I... ego accepting you know like refusing to accept like AI is is superior than my own mind <laughs>
1: you know I, I I I do agree that you are probably one step but not even a, a full step ahead of the AI and that's because like, like I said like a personality your authenticity just doesn't exist right so like what you are into what you were into at the beginning of covid was probably what you have never been into in a March to June time frame ever in your life that the, the algorithm could have tracked because the world had changed and you had to change with it. So the JJ co of COVID between March and June was was outside the algorithm. But as the algorithm got to learn your behaviors through that time period, November JJ is probably a little different, but it was much closer. The algorithm was much closer to who you were then than at the beginning of COVID. And and the only reason I I, I think this is because like all the stuff that's, that's being tracked on Facebook, it's not just within the ecosystem of Facebook, right? It goes into your web browser history. Like it goes yeah. into all these different things that you're not even aware of. So like, if you saw something on TV that made you want to Google it, now you see the ads for that thing that you Googled. Now Facebook sees the things that you angled, And so like they all interacting with each other. So at some point they'll have JJ co from October, I mean, sorry, from February 13th, but maybe it's already March. And so like, there are maybe two weeks behind who you were or what you were into. I don't know. Ah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I try not to think about all that too much because it actually frightens me.
1: But <laughs> it, 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 For me, it liberates me because it's just like my authentic self doesn't exist. So the computer will never get me. I, I honestly wish that Facebook and Instagram could cater me at specific targeted ads that would, let me know what I want in the future. That would be the best gift.
0: And and I think that's the thing, right? Because, like, I, I don't want to see all this crap. I I mean, I'm not even talking about the ads. I'm talking about, like, the people. Like, I, I want to hear from certain people. But I don't see their posts anymore unless I right. intentionally go to their accounts. Um, and, yeah, that's just, you know, I don't know.
1: Because the JJ that wanted to interact with them was so four months ago that JJ is no longer around.
0: No. Well, my point is this. Because Facebook is only showing me what it thinks that I am, uh, that I have no choice but to play within those parameters. And I'm just reinforcing the assumptions that it made in the first place, which is wrong, which is skewed or wrong or I don't know.
1: But you still use it, right?
0: I mean, because I'm lazy.
1: <laughs> well, but you still use it. And so, like, the more you use it, the more that... So then it becomes, like, are you influencing Facebook? Or does Facebook influence you? And, like, I still want to give autonomy to the person.
0: Um, I, think, I think on a practical level, I think Facebook probably influences me. Because, again it's not giving me all the choices that I would like. It only gives me certain choices. And as long as I uh, don't proactively go seek things out, then it's gonna continue limiting my choices.
1: Yeah, no, I don't don't disagree with you. And and then the question then becomes like, once you're no longer that person that was seeking out those things, you will seek out new things and the algorithm will change. But like, I, I believe that the person initiates the changing algorithm as opposed to the algorithm changing me. Like w- when I no longer am interested in CrossFit because I do CrossFit, when I no longer I, I can't do it, I get hurt for six months or something, I will stop clicking on CrossFit things. I will stop seeing CrossFit posts and, and all my friends that are in CrossFit. I will see other things because I will be looking for other things because I am no longer that. The, the algorithm oh, I see. won't, won't, won't I see. know when I stop doing something. Yeah.
0: I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah. So to that end, then I I still need to then proactively write. Right. So as long as I proactively seek out new things, then the algorithm will adjust to fit my preferences, my new preferences, whatever they may be. Um, yeah. As a, but if I just if i just blindly clicking on if i blindly click on things that only it shows me then i'm only reinforcing that algorithm
1: yeah but but it it will always be changing because you always change and like that's what i want to like initially like i don't think like there's this there's this conception that there's huge disinformation campaigns will affect people's beliefs and stuff and like that that's pretty much saying that i can work with facebook to target you to, to make you believe something that you no know, you don't believe now, but over time I can make you believe it. Um, and and while that that could happen, like I still want to believe that I will have autonomy over my thoughts and like I can reject it at any point.
0: Mm-hmm. One would like to think, yes.
1: I, I mean, well, yeah.
0: I agree with you. I agree with you that we we have that ability. Um, I don't think we always choose to exercise it
1: (laughs) because we have an idea of ourself. The the trick is to let go of that. And then you're not, you're not sort of praying to the gods of Facebook. You're not praying to the gods of like the algorithm. Now you're just saying like, if I am nothing and I'm random, then I can be whatever and I can do whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This helps me sleep at night better.
0: It, it is, I, I would say, uh, yeah, uh, on a philosophical level, I think it is very free to just let go. It's very, um, is it Taoism or is it Buddhism that you just kind of let go of everything?
1: More like Buddhism.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very Buddhism of you. Buddhist.
1: Buddhist, yeah, I like yeah. it. I, I think it, it just resonates for me really well because, you know, only when I let go of things do I feel more free. That that is all, true. Yeah.
0: No, that, that's absolutely true. Um, I think um, I think the things that we hold on to often are the things that hold us back.
1: Because we want them to. Right. We have these ideas yeah. of like the, the infallible self that's not gonna change. Like I have my foundational beliefs and that, that's gonna carry my personality, my characteristics, right, forever and people really want to hold on to that but it's like if society broke down and we had to kill each other for food and you still believe that killing was wrong like you would die and like i'm sure your body in its self-preservation manner would say fuck it we have to stop believing this life sucks kill somebody eat
0: and like you would do it i'm probably i'm gonna be one of those people who get killed and eaten
1: (laughs) (laughs) how would you like to be how would you like to be cooked
0: would I like to be cooked over an open flame, you know, rotisserie, <laughs> stick a stick, a, you know, a stick through me and, you know, one of those. Yeah.
1: That's funny. <laughs> I, I would, I would hope that I'd do like a, um, it'd be fun, you know, like I, I'd, it'd be like a show or something. I don't know if it's kibachi or like, you know, like just like plate of <laughs> food or something. Yeah. Like I, there's John's nose, like on the griddle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is funny <laughs> it's 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 we we've gone down the rabbit hole to the surreal
1: <laughs> totally <laughs>
0: um yeah i would i definitely make me spicy you know lots of pepper hot sauce whatever spicier the better oh, that's yeah
1: funny. Are, are you still baking
0: or, um, or making puddings no, I haven't made the mango pudding in a long time. I should have, but I, I didn't. Um, but, you know, I'm home. I mean, I, I don't really go out. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember the last time. Oh, maybe a few weeks ago, we got takeout. But in general, yeah, I cook every day. I'm kind of tired of cooking. And the thing is, like, my repertoire is not is not that large. So it's kind of, like, the same thing. I think my mother is getting sick of my cooking. I could tell because every once in a while, like, she'll go out and get stuff, you know, <laughs> that I don't n- normally cook. Uh, and and that's a signal, like, yeah, I'm kind of sick of your cooking because you cook the same thing every day.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. And, and how's been the interpersonal sort of relationships living, you know, through covid for you
0: uh yeah i think we've gone beyond cabin fever <laughs> i'll just leave it at that and leave it to the imagination of the listeners to interpret what that means
1: yeah it's it, it's been incredibly challenging uh i gotta say but it, it's been a real blessing to see my daughter grow like every yeah. day for the last year
0: how I, old I was is she you now so-
1: uh, she's three and a half she'll be four in June
0: wow wow it's been four years already
1: yeah and and I was just telling somebody that you know had COVID not happened I would have probably spent three day, three hours a day with her during the week right pick her up from daycare have dinner and then put her to bed and then on the weekends I'd spend a couple more hours with her but I'd be you know we'd be going out I'd be going to the gym just living our lives like before And so, like, it would have taken me maybe six to seven years to accumulate all the hours that I've spent Mm. with her for a year. So, that bond that would have taken me, you know, into her elementary school phase, I've been able to do it in a year. So, it's been really, really satisfying.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I think that's also, you know, a blessing. And I guess in some cases, uh, a burden to some families. Um, But, um, but if they, if they, if the, uh, coping mechanisms were in place. Uh, yeah, I, definitely, people would have like deepened their relationship with their family members. Um, I don't. I think in my case, I don't know if it if it changed much. Um, I think I've definitely have gotten more become a more of a control freak. <laughs> I I think I think uh my controlling nature actually came out even more.
1: <laughs> That's different to planning.
0: <laughs> yes. It's different from planning. <laughs> and I'm I'm actually I recognize this. Um, and this is one of the things where I see what I'm doing, I see how I'm becoming controlling, and yet somehow I cannot stop myself. <laughs> so yeah, this is definitely is one of those things where, um, I have become aware of it almost immediately, and yet, um, I- I'm actually trying to, trying to take a step back a little bit more um and kind of let things be but um yeah but there was a there was a time when i was um yeah it got kind of bad to the point where like even i didn't like me
1: (laughs) well with with all the uncertainty it makes total sense that people want control right like you need you need to like everything's so out of control so you need to find some control in what you have
0: yeah yeah i guess so yeah but uh but you know, but in the process, I was driving everybody else crazy. That's the thing. Uh, well,
1: everybody's trying to get control, and if you're both buying for the same you know like same controlled scissors, you're gonna you're gonna have an argument right it's gonna be tough. yeah,
0: yeah um, but I think um, but you know, why why do we need to control things? That's another whole thing um, and often, It's often that we're trying to control either the situation or other people. Mm -hmm. It's it's, you know. It's not so much controlling yourself, which is where our focus should be, is controlling ourselves, our reactions, our behavior, our, you know, even our thinking uh, to Mm -hmm. some extent, you know, sometimes need to be reined in, you know, because. Like, being lost in our thoughts, we can spiral into all kinds of nonsense. Um, And
1: for for me, like, there's... um, I I, I agree with you, right? And, like, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and like, I, as you can tell, like, I'm a thinker, right? And, like, this whole conversation is really heavy. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm a thinker. And and so, like, for me, uh, the control over my thoughts... I think, that, again, the biggest thought that has, has affected my life so far is that everything my body does, including my thoughts, are for self-preservation. Like, my body is looking to maintain itself alive. And so with that sort of humility, it's like, why do I care that my grandiosity of my thoughts mean anything to anybody outside of myself right now? It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And so and so it just allows me to, like, have a, have a detachment, you know, from what I think reality is, because again, my reality is very different to somebody else's reality, um, and so, you know, maybe maybe this is um, this is all a dream, and we'll wake up, and that's okay, right? Maybe I can be somebody different tomorrow, and that's okay too. I, yeah. it's, I'm gonna have to be.
0: Yeah, we're different. Well, by your definition, I think we're different every day.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And and one of the one of the most tangible things is I know that when I am seventy four. I will not be able to crossfit the way I'm crossfitting at 32. That's a reality, right? Yeah. I can see it coming down the pike. So, like, why am I going to fight aging and getting older when, like, that's going to happen? I just need to execute when I'm 74, if I'm still kicking, right? That I'm, I'm going to be living to the best that I can in that moment. Well, like-
0: actually, here's the thing. If you keep crossfitting now and you keep doing it until you're 74, I bet you you'll be still be able to do crossfit to some extent maybe not like you're doing at 32. Yeah.
1: But but that that's the point, right? Like being comfortable with that and and letting go of that idea of myself as a as a 22 or a 32 or a 42-year-old when I'm 74. That's where that's where life is.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? I think um yeah, that's probably one thing that I never really sort of denied or resisted is aging. Um you know, I, like, I never, I never lied about my age. You know, I always, like, I, and, you know, I was always forthcoming about how old I was. And, um, yeah, and the fact that I'm a certain age and, you know, you have different abilities now than you had when you were 20-something. Yeah, that, that, that never really bothered me um well but
1: for me like that that extends to the idea of myself like i'm going to be a a completely different person at at 74 than i am at 32 so like why would that stop like why is time the only different the difference maker is it five years ten years and so if there is no difference between who i am at—if if there is a sorry if there is a difference between who i am at 74 than who i am at 32 then there's a difference between why I am at 32 in one day and then 32 in two days. And so then, then time as a function is, is irrelevant. It's moot. It loses its value. So like, I am always changing constantly because life keeps happening to me. It keeps happening for me.
0: But why are you even thinking about 74?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's just, it's a, <laughs> just a number. Just, I, guess, just a, oh.
0: I guess it's a, for instance. Yeah. It, right. it's, it's for the sake of argument. Right. Cause right. um, yeah, cause if you if you let go of all that, then it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, you shouldn't even right. be thinking about it.
1: No, well, it, obviously, like you, you deal with your own mortality, right? Like I have to deal yeah. with my death, my wife's death, my parents dying, my daughter dying. Like we have to deal with those things. So like, how do you make sense of it? And it's just like it's just that's a function of time.
0: It's also part of life. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's part of life. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's the other thing I, uh, uh, never really shied away from. Like, I don't necessarily think death is bad. It's, I don't either. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. It, it happens, you know? Yeah.
1: A- everything in this world goes through these cycles of, of life and death and rebornness, right? And like, why would we be any
0: different? Yeah. Um I I'm, I'm debating whether or not to bring this up.
1: <laughs> oh god, are we going to bring god into it? Or? Oh no, no,
0: no, no, no. No, no. Uh well that's a whole other topic. I you know, I I that's probably one area where we probably disagree. Uh and um no, I was I was thinking about death and accepting death like when mm-hmm. it happens however it happens whether it's through illness or accident or or just old age right or mm-hmm. somebody actually kills you that's a, i guess that's another sort of the way <laughs> uh yeah we're going down a morbid rabbit hole now <laughs> um you know
1: but it's real it's, it's a i think it's a real conversation that people really don't talk to and just just so that you know my, my take on death like I think once you die you die like I don't think there's anything after that but yeah
0: um, and I think I think well death is certainly hardest on the people who are left behind um, you know uh, I mean except for the person who is dying if they're no if they know that they're dying and they don't want to die then you know they'll do everything they can to cling onto that including all kinds of I don't know whatever uh um,
2: well,
0: why right and that's my point so but it, it's something that's hard to say though because um especially when it comes to illness you know people getting cancer or you know some kind of terminal illness and and there's all kinds of research and you know and programs and drugs and you know all kind you know procedures and all kinds of things you know uh that people do to Recover to be cured, you know, and and all kinds of advances are being made in in uh, biotechnology and, and you know, um, you know, in medicine to cure diseases, to prolong life, to find treatment and that sort of thing. Treatment is different. So treatment to make your quality of life you know, more tolerable Mm -hmm. while you're still alive. I kind of see that differently. Um, But, you know, saying something like, you know, you get a terminal illness and your fate is death in a matter of months or years or whatever. But here's the thing. That was going to be your fate no matter what, whether I, you know, contracted an illness or not. Mm -hmm. i am gonna die at some point Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um so to me that doesn't necessarily change any kind of outlook but it's it's hard to say that though because of you know loved ones around them they don't want them to die it's uh, it's also hard to say to the person who may feel like they want to beat this and
1: oh yeah but for, for that like I can't choose for somebody else what they want to do sure. with their life. So like I can only give them my opinion and if they choose to do something else and like that's up to them. But but for me, like and that's the only thing I can control is myself, right? Like I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. And that's and that's that's the life, you know. But
0: but to say it like that right, okay. So maybe I am you're right, maybe I am going beyond myself, you know? Um Yeah, I mean that's 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 what i believe but but i also feel like (laughs) but but you i don't know here to say say i could say this to you because you're not gonna take it like oh my gosh she's suicidal or something or you know she's morbid and like oh no why would you think that about you know you know like i don't want you to die you know that sort of thing no no that's all sentimentality that's irrelevant Mm -hmm. that's that's beside the point um but yeah but to say that to someone, especially if they're going through something, it's a harsh thing to say. And first of all, I would never say that to, you know, of course, now I'm saying it on on the podcast, so like everybody's gonna hear this. But I would no, never say this to someone um, it, especially if they're going through something, whether it's themselves or their family members. Um, and, and I don't think you should either. Yeah, <laughs> duh, right? <laughs> Why would you?
1: Well, unless they ask you, right? If they like, JJ, <laughs> I have six months to live where I can try this experimental drug, what do you think I should do? I I'd would say, you like, enjoy your yeah, enjoy the yeah. six months. <laughs>
0: no. Oh, no. I would say, "What do you want to do? <laughs> mm. And if they want to fight it, absolutely fight it. Yeah, yeah. it's just not something that I would do. probably. not. no,
1: me, me neither. me neither. Yeah. Um, again, like if it's pancreatic cancer or like something that I know that it's gonna like there's it's terminal, um, it like I'd rather spend the six months me coming to peace with it and and making sure that it's okay as opposed to trying to fight it and prolong something that's inevitable
0: oh interesting so what if what if it's some other kind of cancer where it is curable there's like 90 percent chance of recovery
1: oh like prostate cancer when i'm like 40 something then yeah. yeah then then it's then it's just treatment at that point right like that there's there's no sort of there's nothing there's nothing i'm fighting against the wind that's going to create like you know a, more more stress on me than it's already there
0: is your battery
1: low (laughs) one one just died i still have the other one i'm good um
0: yeah um yeah i i feel like we need to sort of move on to a different topic because like i um
1: sorry i lost it give me a second
0: I feel like if, Sorry. if we if we stay on this then I'll say more stupid things.
2: <laughs> no worries.
1: That that's that, that's a good break. <laughs>
0: um yeah. So I don't know what else is going on besides life and death and your authentic self. Um
1: I've been having a lot of good conversations with, with my wife mainly. So I, I think, I think COVID has brought us together. We've been having really just like insightful sort of side of, you know, just thoughts and ideas around parenthood, around men, women, sort of who we are as people. And, and again, it, it goes on the same things we've talked about, like being authentically and like how that doesn't exist for at least for, for me and, and how I'm, I'm just open to having life happen for me and, and just being a vessel for that. Um, and, and, you know, I, being comfortable being uncomfortable with like who i am i think helped people just relate right i think it's only when i try to be a persona or a caricature of who i thought people wanted me to be that have created like all these tension points in my life so at this point it's just like listen this is who i am today like i'm still living and working this is what it looks like take it or leave it
0: well, but here's the thing, uh, do you ever run into uh, a situation where I'm not, I don't, I don't know how to relate to you because you're not, you're not a, you're not anything. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's okay.
1: And and like, if, if, we, if we have nothing to relate to, then like, I'm, I'm a firm believer that some relationships come and go and like, sure. it's all psychological. And like, if I'm at a point in my life that we no longer are relatable, and i hope we can connect again in the future but if we can that's all right
0: and i think i think that happens naturally right like you, you don't even have to call it out you know uh people who don't relate to you just kind of naturally fall away um but
1: it, it it needs to happen when you're in a relationship with somebody or with the people in your tribe
0: right
1: what well so, sometimes the person you're with is like I am no longer with that same person that you, that you met, like, and you are no longer the person I want to be with. And like being able to recognize that before the divorce, right. Or, or for the impending sort of chasm, I think, I think is where like you actually have some autonomy over the decision you're making. Um, and the same thing with your tribe, like you, you may have been a gang member, but now you're reformed or you want to do something else. Like you have to be okay with letting go and, and mourning the death of that person who you were or who you were with. And
0: moving on um yeah um i wouldn't necessarily use the gang member um as a as an example because that is a bit of an extreme where you have to actively you know mm-hmm. divorce yourself from that tribe otherwise they will come after you you know oh, yeah yeah that's that's a little different but i think in, in normal life situation i think people just kind of you know, you sort of drift apart. You know, you don't talk as often, you don't hang out as often, you know, because of whatever reason. Um, but right? that's the thing.
1: Like, yeah. I don't want it to be whatever reason. Like, I think it, I think if you initiate consciously, then it makes then it, then you're being authentic to your to that current person you're you're at or that current person you are. Right. Like for me, like it always it always upset me when it's just like, why did that happen? I don't know. Just we just drifted apart. Like that, that's not good enough. It's just like, maybe the person you were becoming was the person I wanted to be as well. And you just never brought me along with you. And then it's just like, had you shown me who you were were becoming, I would have been able to decide, but you just never gave me that shot. And so I feel left out. And like, I think that's more relatable if you're in a relationship with somebody, right? Like if I'm going to become this new person, I want to change careers, find a new hobby, go, go into different interests. And I be, I start becoming a different person and I don't bring you along, that's when you feel left out. And that's what like I said, you, you have these issues of like we just drifted it apart. It was whatever. It's like, I don't know if it's whatever. Like some of these like some of these best friends just leave your life like
0: that. Uh yes, if if you were close with someone Yes, I can see that happening. But I guess I'm thinking about people who you ca- know casually, acquaintances, people come and go. Know, yeah, but do you really know them? Uh, I mean, it's a matter of degree, right? I mean, you know, you know, people, I mean, you you know, degrees of people depending on how deep the relationship is, the connection is, right? You know, I mean, like. My coworkers, I mean, some coworkers that like, became friends and, you know, we hang out after work, outside of work, and talk outside of work and, you know, and have continued to, uh, um, and kept in touch. But, um, but then there are plenty of people who I saw every day and talked every day because they're in your surroundings uh, and I know them to some extent. But, but we don't really have an, a relationship outside of the office, so therefore, when I leave a job, right, I. Or,
1: yeah, I, I would just contest that you'd never had a relationship with those people to begin with. It was all circumstantial, right? You were circumstantially by proximity, just in okay. the same space. But like, I don't know if it was a relationship. Like.
0: Yeah. Okay. Again, I think this is a matter of
1: semantics. Uh, yeah.
0: Or difference in in definition. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, you know, would define relationship, there are different types of relationships, you know, there are surface relationships, there's sort of mm-hmm. work relationships, there are different types of relationships, right. And I, but I, I count all of them as relationship, you know, to some degree, uh, because it does, um, however little or superficial, it does impact your life. To some degree,
1: yeah, no, I I don't disagree, and I, and I'm trying to think like our relationship was probably closest that summer, and then maybe at different points over the years, right? Like, but it, it yeah. always ebbed and flowed depending on where I was in my development or my life, and where you were in your life, and yeah. what interests you were in, right? And so, and and if that's the case, then like that for me is always saving hope for any relationship it could be a stranger on the street that we share a coffee with. And like, who knows if that stranger develops into something else in my life, you know, five years from here that I would have never known just, you know, I can't connect with that looking forward. I can only connect them looking back. So who's the same? Um,
0: yeah, that's, that's interesting. You know, um, a recent podcast episode. Well, only you're only my fifth. So everything's recent. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, brought up something similar, uh, and and he said that at, at one point we were close. Here's what's interesting. Um, I kind of, uh, I think, I think my recollection, my reflection on those, uh, in this particular, in this instance. Uh, on the on those prior years, differently, with uh, sort of a different sentiment and different nostalgia uh, than he did. Okay. And um yeah, and, uh, and I think I kind of emotionally moved on um, in a way that I had fondness for that or I, I sort of like I look back and I kind of like saw it for what it was. And that's it. It, it was what it was. Right. I mm-hmm. am no longer that person mm-hmm. and we are no longer that people. Mm-hmm. We're different. You know, our mm-hmm. relationship now is different. You know, that's kind of like how I see it. Um, but I don't think here's the thing. I, I don't think we always see eye to eye on on um yeah i don't know i mean are you wondering like why i mean we i don't know you and i we haven't really drifted apart did we yeah no
1: we, we but I, we, again we, we were like we were friends we were friendly we were colleagues right so like we, we had multiple touch points yeah where we connected over the years and like i think the intensity of our relationship obviously like fluctuated based on how much we were either working together or like interested in the same things or going to the same events right like that i think that's that's a function of that but i think to your point that you're, you're eloquently making like we're different people right and so like i appreciate this moment for who you are now i don't discount like all the eleven years that I've known you, but I, I do I do like look at that with fondness, but I'm I'm more excited to sort of hear and experience who you are now in this moment because I know that it's a very different person than who I remember, who I had or yeah. who I had a, a relationship with. Gonna hang on a second.
0: Okay, (laughs) I might I might uh, edit that out. (laughs) I don't Don't know. (laughs) No, I have this thing like I don't want to edit anything out because I want to show the entire, you know, the whole context, like so this is this is sort of to convey to use your use your vernacular to convey authenticity.
1: Yeah, and, and listen, I'm, I'm 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 like moved that you're moved by by the conversation and by reminiscing and like by being open, but like the man you're seeing in front of you today is, is qualitatively and a different person than who you who you knew, right?
0: I would definitely agree. You definitely grew up. <laughs> Right, and 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 so like if that's
1: the case, then like Sorry. maybe you, yeah, you, you only experience like a piece of me, right? Maybe this is who I always was. I don't know, but like, I, I think it's suffice to say that like we are always changing. So this idea that we're gonna be with the same person for the rest of our lives, or like have the same relationships for the rest of our lives, it's just, it's it's so like it just it just mitigates the possibility of where people can go, and so like. If, if you became an overnight podcast, Joe Rogan or something, right, and, like, you become, like, this person that I, I, I'll i never see again, but I'll see from a distance, like, I will appreciate that person that you're becoming, because, like, what else can I do, right, like, I'm not gonna, like, try to hold on to you and, and bring you back to this idea of who of who you were when I was 22, right, I'm not gonna do that, that doesn't make any sense, I'm gonna, like, and, and I think that's where the healthy relationship is, and so, like, I've had this conversation <laughs> with my wife where it's, like, If she wants to do something else, like she's my best friend, and as 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 my best friend, like I would do whatever she wanted or whatever she needed, even if it was in spite of me, right? Because like I would want what's best for her, and I can control that. I I want to be able to make the decision that I want to give her something that either I can't I can't provide or that she needs, because like that's what you do for people. Like it's incredibly selfish to sort of say like I want to hold this. I want to hold you to the idea of who I held you as you know, all these years, because, like, we're not that. We're never that.
0: You know, you say all that and you say you have no authentic self. <laughs> it seems like a complete contradiction.
1: <laughs> maybe this this is the, the, maybe this is always, we've always been this way, just finding the words to communicate them, right? Maybe, maybe I now have the vocabulary to speak about something that I was touching these ideas, you know, like, as a 22-year-old. And maybe we all are this way. Maybe the men who can open up about their feelings just don't have the, the, the tools that are the skill set to sort of speak about it. And so once they do, like, people resonate with that. And it, it gives somebody, like, a way of thinking and a way of communicating these ideas that they didn't have before. And so, like, that's, that's, what, you, that's what you, that's what I, that's, I think that's what people can offer by being authentically yourself is, like, this, what you have right now, you probably will never get again. So, like, let's just enjoy it. And like, let's just live it.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know why I'm getting so Um. Okay. I think maybe, maybe that's a good place to end. <laughs> okay. okay. So, you know, I, I realized that uh, I just I just noticed that I kept um, turning the camera off, but I didn't turn off the mic. So. <laughs> 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 ah, funny. And none of this is going to be edited. So whatever you get what you, it is, what it is. And that's what you get. So.
1: <laughs> you get what you get. And you don't get upset, right?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I I I'm afraid that this is gonna sort of brand me.
1: <laughs> Listen, if you're the Brene Brown of podcasts, that's not a bad thing. Who? The Brene Brown. Who is that? Oh, she's like the um, like the she, she's like the self help like psychologist who like has all these ideas on like emotional self talk and like being empowering of emotions. Like she has some really interesting stuff. I totally encourage you to check hmm. her out.
0: Brene Brown.
1: Brene. Oh, B. Brene,
0: B R
1: E N E B R O W N, yeah, yeah,
0: okay, Brene Brown. Okay, uh, I I've been listening to a lot of uh audiobooks. so um, I'll look for her and see if she's yeah, yeah she's on Audible. But uh, anyway, yeah, this was this was great talking. I feel like we could just keep going, but um, yeah, I'm I I think that was a really nice note to end. So let's do that. Yeah. So um, thanks for listening, everyone. And special thanks to my guest, Jonathan Vascones. And uh, you can find Beer Cake with JJ Co. on (laughs) Anchor.fm and Spotify and YouTube, where you could listen to or watch the entire thing. And uh, you could also follow... Uh, this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and um, you could also support it if you'd like. And there are multiple sites where you could make a donation. I, I think I need to narrow it down to one. I have this this for some reason. I am being very indecisive in terms of like the the donation platform. So right now I'm on Anchor. Maybe you could help me with this decision. <laughs> so I'm on Anchor.fm. So. Anchor.fm, that's also the distribution platform, but it also has a built-in support thing, so, you know, all you have to do is turn it on, and so it just comes with it, so I have that, and then I have also a Patreon account, and I have a Buy Me a Coffee uh, account, and like I'm waffling back and forth as to which one to go with, and I think I need to choose one, because I'm giving people way too many choices, and, you know, um yeah what do you think
1: i, I go with anchor offense since it would bring more listeners into your podcast and then i would do the patreon if you're going to do something outside of just like uh radio media or like talk media
0: yeah yeah i think so yeah i was sort of leaning in in that direction too so that's awesome that you confirmed that i was yeah going in the right direction to put a value <laughs> judgment on it
1: <laughs> it's just group thing. You found somebody who was going to think like you.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. I I need to break out of this tribe of two. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thanks, everyone. Thank you, John, uh, for this. And uh, tune in next time where I will have, I think my next guest is a musical guest. And we'll be talking music. No, it's not, actually. No, that's next month. Okay, sorry. I'm getting my schedule confused. But anyway, well, thank you, everyone. Thank you. And uh, tune in next time.